Good day, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ryan. Together with Aaron, we are the RA21 Podcast, a really adult show. Welcome back. So today we have a really, really special guest on the show with us. One who's been really active in the NFT and crypto scene and someone that we're super eager to talk about upscaling, which is the topic for today. Welcome, Ake from The Hidden Walls. Hi, Ake. How are you? Hi, Ryan. Hi, Aaron. I'm good. Uh, so so I, I'm sure you guys know I just recovered from COVID, so it's been a slow recovery. But uh, yes, I'm back up and running again and doing art and trying to, you know, like push myself to do more each each drop. So yeah, I'm so happy to be here and so excited. <laughs> yeah, we're happy to have you too. Thank you. Yeah, because the previous time we wanted to have her on board, but yeah, as you guys know, she got COVID lah, so I think it's better that we have it now so hopefully you're feeling better then we can you know uh, pick your brains a little bit on the wisdom on um, the crypto space and the NFT space because uh, even though me and Ryan we kind of like talk a lot about NFT right we don't really like we're not we're not creators in the NFT space unlike you lah. so I think it's very interesting to actually see like uh, how you transition inside the NFT space because I think uh, for those of you who don't know she used to have this uh, other Instagram channel called Catfire Goals right then mm-hmm. uh, she pivoted to NFT yeah but uh, talking about NFT right I think it's been a very rough two weeks uh, in the past two weeks you know um, actually we didn't it was quite a stroke of luck that uh, you know I won't say that getting COVID is lucky lah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's been a very like op- op- what do you call that? Like a perfect opportunity or something like that. Like so timely, you know what I mean? I got COVID after that, like this whole shit FTX thing happened and then and then it's like now we have so much to talk about which I, I can't wait to share later. So la. <laughs> That's why we wanted to talk, right? Uh, yes, Ryan? No, that's exactly what we're going to get into today. So like, um, Aaron, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I've been very busy as uh, I think some of you who know me personally knows that I'm I'm I've been traveling lah. I've been a very very busy traveling. So uh, right now I'm recording in the middle of Japan. So uh, yeah, I'm here for a while. Then um, yeah, doing work etc. But it's been it's been fun. So uh, as Ryan always says, you know, everyone whenever you've bought the plane, the entire thing shit, the whole thing crashes. So maybe I should stay in Singapore more often. <laughs> Every single time I swear, every single time he travels out of Singapore, the market crashes. <laughs> the market, when I see the thing crash, I know, okay, Aaron's out of town now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the second time. Uh, the last time, I think, was uh, I think around in May. Then that was when like the crypto uh, went from like 40k to like 25,000. Then now it's yeah. like uh, I travel again, it went from 25 to 16. <laughs> that was a 3AC one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the next one I'm travel, maybe, I don't know, maybe it'll be as bad as like 10k. So I, I should really like start selling my Aaron Flies index thing. Lah. Then maybe that would be a good <laughs> opportunity to short. <laughs> Just share my flight itinerary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's been okay, lah. It's uh, but it's good. Um, so I think maybe we can start with actually, uh, you know, as you guys know, we usually have a list of things that we want to talk about. But I think um, as of late, in the last two weeks, right, um, a lot of things has happened in the crypto space because as uh, some of you listeners know, you know, who has been following crypto, right, that FTX, one of the the world's biggest exchange, actually, like went into insolvency. Uh, very unexpected, but also hopefully uh, our listeners are not that much affected by it lah, right so um maybe you would like to share 
some of your experience like you know what like for for you right Ik, like what happened in the last two weeks uh and when do you like maybe you can share your journey as to how you actually went through the insolvency of ftx because i think you we were chatting about it then you did mention that uh you felt they were quite lucky right yeah. So so what happened was when it um when it was about to go down, like I wouldn't know, right? Then uh because usually I'm always in the evenings I'm always like drawing or doing my own stuff or I go for a run. So I I hardly check what's happening or the news nowadays because sometimes you read about it then you feel you feel like, well, I cannot breathe. Uh. <laughs> I don't know whether it's the post COVID syndrome or is it because of everything that's happening right now. I just feel so suffocated. But but just so happened that day on like Saturday night or Sunday, I got a DM from one of my NFT friends. He just said like, do you have anything from in FTX? You should withdraw it. Then I think at that same time, so my husband was just telling me about all this news that's been happening because he's the he's the who keeps more he keeps himself more up to date with all this stuff lah because he he trades once in a while so. So I was like, okay, I think we should withdraw whatever that we have. For me personally, I didn't have a lot. It was just, it was something that I could lose. But then I touched my heart. Uh, I asked myself, if I don't take this out now, right? I know it's not a lot, but I won't be able to live with it. Because you know that you are supposed to take it out already. People have told you, warned you, then you still sit down there, don't do anything. Then it's really, you deserve to die if it goes down. Uh. Then, then I think like, it on, only on Monday... I went in to take it out. So I think like both me and my husband, we were lucky in the sense that Monday night, we got it out. Then we got it out in our ledger. And then on Tuesday morning, we had still, uh, we, in our ledger, right? It, we, we needed to do this like swapping thing. Not really sure what's the terminology for it. But um, that swapping service, if I'm not wrong at that time, it was FTX. And right now they changed to other swapping service because FTX is obviously down. But um, so what we didn't know is that we went to sleep on Tuesday, sorry, it was Monday night, yeah, on Monday night, and then Tuesday morning, we realized that the money is still not in, <laughs> then after a while, a few hours later, okay, the money came in, that was Tuesday afternoon, and then Tuesday evening, which was, uh, that we found out that, oh, um, they hot withdrawals, lah. so that's pretty much my story, and then I was like, oh, dodge a bullet, yeah. Well, so actually you knew about it on Saturday. People warned you. Yeah, people warned me. It was in all our... Because, because I mean, NFT communities and everything, we had lots of like Telegram chats and then basically just friends of a project. And then Discords and everything. Then on Twitter, you see the news. Then um, it was everywhere. You cannot see how Like you search the search bar on Twitter, right? They, the prom is FTX. <laughs> yeah, the hashtag. Lah. And you just like... Oh, that- yeah, you just keep reading and reading and reading. And then you're just like, oh shit, this shit is going to like explode. Lah. Yeah, that must have been very lucky uh, that uh, you managed to see them, I think, like just a few hours before <laughs> before they halted <laughs> with. Yeah, yeah, really just a few hours. But I think, I think like larger amounts, they took longer. So for our side, my husband's side, his amount was quite large. So it took longer. Lah. But I mean, I don't know, I kind of miss FTX because it was so, it was so used. Like, what is it called? Uh, easy to use. Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest surprises, right? Because I think I updated my journey of withdrawals live on Instagram for those who follow me. And uh, my, my, my back to my point uh, is that I was actually quite surprised that it went down because generally they genuinely did have a good product, mm. right? Because genuinely, it's quite funny, right? Because sometimes when you look at all these Ponzi schemes, uh, their product kind of sucks. Um, but in this particular case, it's a little bit unique because FTX was genuinely, genuinely a very good product because a lot of their stuff that they did, actually, it was quite a lot better than a lot of the other exchanges that we've used. So uh, my story was very similar to yours, Kat, because I actually only know about it when I woke up on Monday. 
Um, then I was reading Twitter, right? So I, I didn't have that two-day head start. I only knew about it on Monday morning. And that by itself was luck because uh, as of late, my phone has actually been on silent pretty much uh, 24-7. So I even very rarely like check Twitter. Like, just that so happens on Monday morning when I woke up, I just decided to turn on Twitter, right? Then I saw uh, that beep, beep, basically people were just uh, saying things about uh, FTX. Uh, you know, then um, publicly, I think... I made the decision instantly to just withdraw. So within the first half an hour of one weekend, I went to my FTX, then withdraw pretty much like 60% of my stuff on uh, FTX. Then uh, the remaining amount, which was actually in Bitcoin, could not be withdrawn because I think I waited close to 12 hours and then uh, basically the amount was still stuck. So on Monday night, around 9 p.m. Singapore time, right, I actually just uh, swapped my Bitcoin to Ethereum and withdraw everything out into Binance first. Then after Binance, I swapped it back to my Bitcoin and withdraw inside my ledger. So I think that if I had not done the swap into Ethereum and withdraw from FTX, uh, I think 50% of my stuff inside uh, FTX would actually have been taken by then. Wow. But um, yeah. can so, you ask, like, why yeah. did you put your money in FTX? Because I know all because, of you, you were in ledger. Yeah, so the thing is, right, actually I told only Ryan, uh, I didn't tell this anyone publicly, la, but actually I made the decision to put inside FTX uh, because largely because I know that I was going to travel a lot uh, in a, in this year, right? Because after the post-COVID, I know that I'm pretty much going to like fly around the world, right? So obviously, you know, when I fly around the world, I cannot possibly bring my cold storage wallet along with me across airports, right? Because I'm very, very... Especially like, you know, if you have a... After, I, th- I think if you have like smaller amounts, 10, 20k is okay lah. But I think once you cross a certain like threshold of wealth, uh, it's like bringing your entire net worth in gold bars, right? Then traveling across the airport. It's not a very wise thing to do lah. Because it's like yeah. if you one day you touch wood, you're gonna strip search, right? They're gonna check your, your 24 password key phrase. They know everything already. So in this particular aspect, uh, I thought that maybe, um you know, an exchange would solve the solution. I know I, I was very like... Uh, I was still paranoid, you know, then of course, uh, in order for me to safeguard, I also have contingency plan to withdraw. La. And then uh, one of the things that I made sure that I didn't do was to basically put, you know, in FTX, you are able to like put in a 48 hour like travel rule, like any address you want to withdraw, right? then you have to wait like 48 hours before you can withdraw money from FTX, right? They did have this as a so-called security measure. Inside, and it was very lucky that I didn't turn it on because if I had turned it on, right, I found out on Monday, by Wednesday, I couldn't withdraw already. Yeah. <sighs> Wow. Yes. So, so in many ways, uh, I was extremely lucky to be able to dodge that bullet now because uh, I think if if I had followed the timeline, if I had made certain critical decisions back then, then I wouldn't have been able to withdraw. And actually, this was quite significant for me uh, because uh, I have about 50% of my net worth inside leg- uh, FTX. Wow. So it was not a small amount. It was actually 50% of my net worth. So I really, really dodged a bullet this time. Um, and I think uh, back to your question as to why, it was because I was traveling. But uh, I have learned that uh, there is a way to just safeguard it like set up the safeguard so that you're able to like still travel across the world without worrying so much about safety lah. so for people who are wondering how i do it do it right it's very simple um you know whenever you all do a ledger right you have a 24 pass key phrase my suggestion is you may just keep you separate the 24 into 12 12 right so you put 12 uh key phrases at home you know then you can take 12 and travel around with you so you don't yeah. really have to worry about like the entire thing being exposed lah. so that's what i do personally so that should pretty much safeguard like uh, most of your keys, right? So uh, I was very lucky and uh, I was also say that it's uh, very interesting because um, I did actually like go and check like um, versus the Lehman Brothers case, right? Because actually, if you look at the timeline of FTX, uh, the reason why they topple so fast uh, is because um, it is a testament to how good crypto is, right? Because crypto 
you know, if you want to withdraw as a retail investor, you can do it within less than 24 hours. Yeah. Because if um, if you were to compare this with the bank runs of 2008, a lot of retail investors uh, couldn't get their money out. Only the institutional investors. Because by the time uh, the retail investors want to get out, uh, the institutional investors already tsao already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so in many aspects, right, it really is a testament that uh, crypto, the space, does work provided that you are very up-to-date with it uh, and also really focuses on the fact uh, that, you know, it works because, uh, you know, cold storage is pretty much like if it's your keys, then it's your coins. And you don't have to worry so much about another person's like, uh, you know, whether or not they update their own balance sheet or whether or not they're running a Ponzi scheme. Uh. So I think this this entire fiasco is uh, hopefully, um, I don't think uh, most of our listeners will be affected by it. You know, um, you know, hopefully none, none, no one was affected by it. Uh. How about you, Ryan? How did you like handle this entire news? Since Monday, I feel like uh, I I don't hold anything on FTX, which is uh uh very uh, very lucky. But um you know the the story did get to me a bit, uh, and uh, I was also reminiscing about like uh the Lehman Brothers two thousand eight crash, and then uh in the end like I like when the news dropped right, I couldn't take it already. So like I w- I immediately I went on like the Ledger website and I got my co co wallet. <laughs> So like uh, I I haven't been using a co wallet for like a while, uh, and the reason I didn't I I made it part of like my goals to actually buy one this year is just that because of like things happening around uh in my life right I didn't have like pretty good cash flow so I thought it was like kind of like a luxury for me to buy one. I was planning to buy it with my um bonus year end bonus from my day job. So uh but in the end um like I just saw this and I and was like ah cannot ah. I need to buy this ASAP. Yeah, actually, the ledger just gives you like a piece of mind, lah. Then, then you know, like there's a tweet going around. It says like if you can have hundred and fifty dollars in crypto, you can afford to buy a hundred and fifty dollar ledger. I mean, plus plus minus some. The, I think the Nano X is more expensive, lah. But yeah, here's here's the thing, right? I was also like when I bought when I bought the the ledger, I didn't have this kind of problem. But then, uh, and then I started to think to myself. Like when you invest in crypto, crypto, right? It should be mandatory that you have a co wallet, yeah. right? But then, but then, where do you uh draw the line? Uh? like let's say like for people in Malaysia, right? You buy like uh you know hundred ringgit or like two hundred ringgit worth of like crypto, right? But mm-hmm. then the the ledger in in ringgit is like four hundred and twenty for the Nano S plus, and then Nano X is like seven hundred. So like, where do you draw the line? Like you buy a four hundred ringgit ledger or four four twenty ringgit ledger just to cover your two hundred ringgit um investment in Bitcoin, but like I mean I mean this is kind of like menial uh, But uh, for most of us, we probably have like well into like four or five digits worth of crypto. So it it it's it's never going to be a question whether you you should buy or not. It it's like you know you need it, so like you better go and buy one and secure your 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 crypto uh. Yeah, and and I think I think we all know to buy from the original ledger site, not you know from online some <laughs> some place in I don't know where. Actually, does that actually make a difference? So like I I've been seeing like some people telling me like in Malaysia I can I can walk to a a store like they they call themselves the uh, crypto Belisa. So they basically sell crypto stuff in a physical store, uh, uh-huh. which also includes like co wallets. So like. Uh, like what you mentioned just now, right? It's like better if we get it from like the the ledger website itself because it's, we we can be sure that it's authentic and everything. But then, like this kind of physical stores, like do you have those in Singapore, and would you trust them? 
Hey, I don't have like I'm not sure about oh, how about you, um, Aaron. Do you do you know if we have it? Because I don't. And then it'd be quite interesting. Uh, maybe I should buy one and then like try see whether they scam my money or not. <laughs> <laughs> we never know, right? Like like I don't know. It sounds dodgy, Ryan. <laughs> okay, I bought. Okay, I can share my experience. Uh, I was very lucky because I bought my ledger wallet uh i think 2019 during the black friday sale so i think i got my ledgers at 50 percent off Ooh. yeah this was before the whole crypto space like blew up then they got bought over by ftx then they jack up the price by five times so i think i got my ledger at a very very cheap price compared to uh, most people uh, and also back then i bought it when you know no one was talking about crypto so i was very lucky because um when i bought it right it was very cheap on, on black friday nobody wanted to buy it then on the second part is that i actually had two experiences i bought straight from the ledger website and i also bought from a singapore uh a shopee account which was the official distributor of ledger so back then right uh when crypto was not a very like hot topic right they did have certain uh distributors in singapore that you can go to the ledger website and then you can see in singapore they are listed as official distributors so generally i think it's okay if let's say you go to the ledger website right then you look at your local area if there's if they are listed on the official distributor list that you can buy from them yeah so i don't think it's much of a risk if you go through that path generally i would advocate if you best that you can buy direct from website uh second best if let's say you know time is an issue right then you can consider getting um the ledger from the official distributor list right so that's one way usually they are a little bit cheaper like, compared to the website uh mm. then the third one is um you know if die die you you need to be able to buy it in person you know because you want to save a bit of money you know mm. then you can consider getting those physical shops like ryan mentioned uh, but um i think it's important that you also take into consideration uh to address the question right like what ryan says like 200 ringgit 700 ringgit i think end of the day if you are going to be a crypto investor i would assume that you are probably going to buy more and more as you as the time pass lah Right, because it's like it might be five hundred ringgit today, right? Um, but then I think if you over one year, that five hundred ringgit might become a six thousand ringgit investment, right? And then if you put in the 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 potential return of crypto, let's say six thousand ringgit, uh, that might actually blow up to sixty thousand, maybe in ten years. So you cannot just see it as just, um, you know, the thing about a ledger, right, is that it's a fixed cost. You know, there's no up, there's no recurring cost that comes after the ledger. And to give and to put things into perspective, when I purchased my ledger, right, uh, I can just share for the the, the the listeners out there. When I first purchased my ledger, I can tell you that the the amount of crypto that is supported in the ledger is quite shit. Like I only could put in basically just the basic uh crypto stuff, so Bitcoin, Ethereum, then you know, etc. Then when I would transfer everything out from my FTX, right, I was very surprised that the ledger actually updated to support so many cryptos these days. Like it's significantly a lot more because also. So one of the main reasons why I had to use an exchange back then uh, was because the ledger didn't support a lot of the coins that I was holding. Uh, right so they couldn't support so the ledger back then uh, i think and this was just a span of one year i decided to move into the exchange in around uh, may this year and then be, the one of the large reasons is because a lot of the crypto on the ledger could not support the crypto that I was holding so these are very those are so these are basically my boom back tokens uh, so i couldn't hold them inside my wallet then um, i was very pleasantly surprised when i decided to move um this monday right there were so many support for a lot of the tokens in fact i could shift my entire portfolio into my ledger now yeah and now like they also support nft so actually my husband what we do is we we put the more valuable ones inside and you can still transact from there because you can link to your desktop metamask and it it is just like uh, you just transact as per normal you just need to key in the 
eight digit, uh, what you call that, that pink code thing when they ask you to law. Yes, correct. So I think uh, what is very important for those people who are very curious about cold wallet management, right? My suggestion is that you need to have two pieces. I think end of the day, you need to have three things. Uh, the first thing you need to have is the hardware, which is your cold wallet. And I think a lot of people mistake that the USB thumb drive is a cold wallet. Um, the fact of the matter is that it's not actually your cold wallet. That is just the hardware used to sign transactions. So so this is basically like sign transactions. Your cold wallet is actually the 24 uh, password key phrase, which is far more important than a hardware. Because if your hardware breaks, right, let's say your ledger for some reason go through a tsunami and it dies, right? If you, so long as you have the 24 password key phrase, uh, you can actually just recover every Everything that's inside. So I think it's very important for those people who are new to crypto to understand that cold wallet does not equate to that USB thumb drive. It actually equates to your 24 password key phrase that is generated inside the ledger. Mm. And so that means that you do not have to be dependent on the ledger, right? You don't have to be dependent on the ledger for you to keep the crypto space uh, safe. And also to address the further question like what Ryan mentioned, uh, you don't, if you don't have a lot of like money, etc., you do not need to spend 400 ringgit to get a cold wallet. Okay, that I think I think that is a misception. The ledger only allows you to make it a lot easier, but actually you can have a <clears throat> you can actually have a cold wallet for free created on your desktop. Alright, you just need to run the Bitcoin Bitcoin program and you can actually create a cold wallet from scratch out without hardware. It's just that it's a lot uh, less secure if you do that. Lah. So it's important that, you know, that's why as much as possible, try to get a ledger. But if not, let's say you want to save money, right? You can actually just run a program on the Bitcoin software in your desktop and then get a cold wallet from there. Right? The reason I can say that with confidence is because I created myself, my first cold wallet was not ledger. I created my first cold wallet lah, in Bitcoin 20, uh, 2012. Oh. Alright, that was the first time I had my my cold wallet. I actually created it in 2012 and then I basically created it on my desktop on my laptop. My like God knows how long how old is my laptop on this like uh, uh like this like now piece of shit Asus laptop right and then I created this like Bitcoin cold wallet back then I recorded a 24 key phrase and I stuck it <laughs> and back then I was stupid right stuck it inside my <laughs> stuck it on my uh, whiteboard next to my PC right then um then surprisingly I went to check right I still actually have that wallet uh, and the address is still valid yeah Ooh. so this is basically just to illustrate right that you don't need to buy a ledger to have a cold wallet I think we must stress this to listeners a cold wallet does not equate to a ledger Right, yeah. a ledger, a cold wallet uh, can be created anywhere so long as you have a PC, you can run the Bitcoin program and then you can create it already. I think the other All thing right. is like they, they call it like a hot wallet. So for MetaMask and everything, for, for other coins like Ethereum or you want to put like Zen or this, you can put it in the MetaMask. And, and I think yeah. that's like semi-safe as well, as long as it's hidden from uh, transactions or you just keep it to yourself. Because there's also that 12, I can't remember, is it 12 or 24 what's it phrase that you can keep then it's uh just like a plug-in on your on your chrome that's that's something i use as well like, to transact and then inside metamask what we do for nfts is that we have a few accounts inside so some of them are burners and then there will be one main one where the more semi-important nfts or monies are inside and then for burners we use them to transact just in case they send you a scam or like they send you something that will rub your entire wallet you it will rub that wallet not the entire not not your main metamask. So that's how that's how I do it like, for safety. Yeah, well uh, while we're on this topic, right? Like uh hot wallets, cold wallets. So uh, uh one question I got which which I which uh it's a it's kind of like a stupid question for, for the crypto community here, but like I did ask Aaron this question, right? Since like 
Ledger is owned by FTX, right? Was it actually compromised? Like, the, does the does the security of, like, the Ledger is now compromised? So, like, maybe it's something that we... It's a kind of, like, a myth that we want to debunk. Man. The short answer is no. But uh, I can't really explain uh, exactly how. So, like, anyone kind of need your help here. <laughs> yeah, actually, I also want to know. Because I receive a lot of JFACs. Uh, you know, they draw a chart, like, how big is this FTX explode into don't know where, which industry. And then FTX was one of them. No, sorry, uh, Ledger was one of them. So I'm just very curious. Yeah, so I think in order for you, for people to understand, I think you need to understand how crypto is actually being... Uh, uh, you need to understand cryptography, right? Like, uh, you need to very, you need to be, you need to understand very clearly, right? What is, what does the ledger actually do, and what is the Bitcoin network? So to best explain this, right, is uh, basically when you buy a ledger and when you set up an account in ledger, it generates two types of uh things for you. The first thing that it generates is your twenty four password key phrase, and that is what they call a private key. Uh, basically, these are your private keys. Alright, and then, so so how cryptography works in terms of transactions is that there are two sets of keys. The first set of keys is private, alright, that is your 24 password, uh, 24 key phrase, and the second set of keys is the public, uh, public key, right? So whenever you want to do a transaction, let's say in a Bitcoin network, right, you need both, alright, but you only need the public keys uh, for you to instigate the transaction. And the public keys are uh, needs to match to the private keys in order for the transaction to happen. Right, so what Ledger is very good at doing, right, is that this completely separate um the private keys from the public keys, so that whenever you do a transaction, let's say on your Ledger Live, right, all you are using is just the public keys, alright, and then through the the security system, right, they just um basically go from the public key, they identify your private, and then the transaction happens. So a lot of people who are very concerned about whether or not is it compromised, the short answer is no. The reason is because they are basing it off the Bitcoin uh, program itself, the Bitcoin system, uh, the Bitcoin program. Lah. So it's not like uh, they are creating a exchange inside the ledger for you to transact. They are actually basing a lot of these transactions, right? In fact, they are basing off the transactions of the crypto network itself. So they don't operate on things like FTX or Binance, they are really just operating based off the crypto network. Yeah, I hope I hope this this kind of answer it. So and so basically is touch wood. For example, if let's say Ledger got no more support, right? What you can do is basically you can just go to any other uh, third party. In fact, you don't even need to go to any hardware. You can just go to any MetaMask, right? Key in your password phrase. In fact, you don't even need to go MetaMask. You can just go to Bitcoin.com, download the program, write down your 24 password key phrase, and then you can upload all your, your items already. Wow, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, so so I think the key thing and the important thing to know, right, is that uh, when you have your ledger, all right, the thing that you must very keep very safe is your 24 uh, word key phrase because that is actually your real, that is literally your private uh, private keys, right, which you need to keep safe because anyone who knows the private keys uh, can basically just take out all your money. Yeah. Yeah. So that is one thing you have to be clear, lah. So basically, the ledger, right? You can like throw out, give it, give it, you know, your passport security. Uh, can I take this? I uh, go and take, lah. I don't care. You know, so long as you have twenty four key phrase, no one can touch you. Yeah. So, so that's hopefully I answered the question, uh, better, lah. So people don't get worried too much about that. So even if let's say, touch wood, huh, ledger goes bankrupt, okay, lah. Never mind, lah. Then you're just gonna use Trezor, lah. No problem. Yeah. Or use MetaMask, or you can just go to Bitcoin.com, download the program, then just uh, reload your Bitcoin. That's it's not a problem. Yeah, I think it's good that we 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 debunk like all this and kind of like after this, uh, I feel like when you invest in crypto, it's almost like it's not almost man. It's it is mandatory that you get a cold wallet. At at this point, I don't think I don't think I would use recommend people to get. I won't say like recommended to get a 
co-wallet. I would say it's mandatory that people get a co-wallet when they invest in crypto. You never know what's going to happen. And it, it's best that you be safe. And sorry, it's kind of like, think of it as like um, buying insurance. Uh. Yeah, at this point, I feel like we should rename the episode to co-wallets. Episode 12, co-wallets. But this by Ledger, so it's just out of we will share all this information. Yeah, also I would like to add, I also like to add on top of this, uh, you will not truly understand how powerful crypto cryptography and cryptocurrency is right if you do not have an experience of owning a co-wallet all right because the first time that you use a co-wallet now for anyone now i just want you to you to go back to that moment right when you withdrew your bitcoin to your co-wallet right it really is like magic like that it's like magic like that you know because it's like i can tell you what uh, the last week i've been trying to tell my parents to withdraw money into a co-wallet right when i tell them that oh you need to withdraw from an exchange huh? they, they was they were telling me oh so i withdraw in cash huh? back to my bank account i said no 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 you can withdraw inside this thumb drive i said huh go such thing man so i asked them so i did the withdrawal from them right the the my new uh, these are retirees uh, they're above 60 uh, they don't know any they know nuts about technology when i told them they could do that their, their immediate reaction uh, was wow you can do this uh you can do that so i think that by itself uh, should be a testament, right? That if even 60-year-old retirees uh, can even see immediately uh, what is the benefit of it, right? It really shows uh, that it does have a future. And you will not really truly understand how powerful this thing is uh, until you use a cold wallet. Because that is the magic about crypto. Yeah, and, and I want to add that if not for the FTX saga, right? The transaction normally is usually quite fast. La. And Bitcoin, right? When I transferred it, I was like, whoa, the fees are like negligible. <laughs> so that one, that, that one, I think... I think it was very, very appealing to me. And it makes me like, yeah, I should do this more often. Lah. Yeah, and also to, to add uh, to add to the transaction speed, actually uh, the transaction speed for Bitcoin is close to instantaneous. Mm. Um, it's just at FTX, uh, to, to give you uh, illustration, right? When I tried to transfer from FTX, uh, it took 12 hours. But the moment I withdraw from my Ethereum, from FTX to Binance, I took from Binance, I swapped. Uh, I did it less than five minutes. It was already uh, transacted already. So actually, uh, whatever FTX was posting on their Twitter saying that's not what full no nonsense, actually bullshit one. Uh, the reason why they took so long uh, is not because what Lan Xiao full no, like basically is they don't have your Bitcoin. Okay. Yeah, they were basically like okay, it's it's like fucking bullshit. Like, whatever they tell you is is Lan Xiao on because when I go to Binance, I, I withdraw, it took less them less than five minutes to execute a transaction. Okay, so so to be very clear, the, the Bitcoin network was not congested. That is a, a bunch of fucking bullshit. Okay, what what was congested is that they didn't have your Bitcoin. That's why it took so long. Because when I did it on Binance, it took less than five minutes to transact inside the Bitcoin network into my ledger. Yeah. This is gonna make like a really nice a modern day Theranos, Lehman Brothers kind of story. Yeah. Looking forward to the book that covers this, but <laughs> I guess we should um, go into the main topic for today. The whole reason why we have um, Eric on the show today, which is um, upskilling. Change before you are forced to change. Ironically, really um, <laughs> something yeah, that yeah, it's exactly the, the the thing we're talking about, you know, like, you know, try to get a co-wallet before you are forced to get one. Yeah, or we can call this uh, swap before you're forced to swap. We draw before you... Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the first topic, right, Egg, uh, we want to ask you is um, like work from home, right? There, uh, over the last couple of years, you know, work from home has been a thing. And then like um, nowadays, like, uh, I mean, I myself, I work hybrid. So three days I'm in the office, two days I work from home. So to me, it's kind of like normal, but then like to the general Malaysian uh, engineering scene, right? Mm -hmm. Most people are back in the office for like five days. So like, uh, how about yourself? You know, do you expect that we do more, more of this like post-COVID? So, so what happened was uh, 
I mean, before COVID, we were all working in the office and then I did not know of this whole new realm where you can work from home and be actually, you know, actually be productive. So when, when it happened, okay, we were all like, go back home and I was like okay lah quite quite happy because I can save on commute time and then when when you really really realize that you save so much on commute time because I live at some godforsaken place in Singapore and then my office is in the east and I have to travel uh, traveling is like an hour and a half so every day is three hours of traveling time and when you can really really save that time right you just wow it's a life-changing moment you know like after work at 6 or 6 30 when you knock off right you don't have to travel you can go straight to what you need to do so so what i did during that time was that i i exercised and then by 7 30 or 8 i am done i can do my own thing i can eat dinner or whatever then it was really it was really happiness lah and uh so i think i think like minusing the commute time right leaves me a lot of empty time to think about what I want to do and then I'm also the kind of person that you can't I, I can't really sit still for long so with no like extra two hours three hours every day like mm. <laughs> then I um at that point of time my crypto was like uh because I mean personally for me I don't really trade or not very active in the scene or what I just find hole and then if I think it's time to let go I let go lah and then it's just about it there's nothing 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 much that I was doing so I was like okay maybe I should you know, find a hobby or like do something. And then my husband was like, hey, you know, there's this thing called NFTs, right? Maybe you should go and check it out. And you really get draw nonsense that um, people don't really know what they're doing, right? Like, he knows I like doodling and drawing. And then, so I was like, oh, okay, lor. Then I try, lor. Then he started to show me pictures of um, very distasteful looking <laughs> JPEGs, right? That sell for how much and how much. Then at that point in time, I don't know. I, I, I I don't know what were those or like why did it sell the psychology behind it or like what is this NFT thing and that's how I went on Instagram and I just googled for a bit like oh what are NFTs how do I get started and all that and I think that's pretty much like how I got started lah. and yeah so I'm here today because of my of, of work from home and I, I think that work from home has been a very good uh, time for me to onboard into this space. Oh that's that's really interesting so the additional one to two hours you have every day um actually opened up like uh nft for you uh, yeah some time for you to go and explore nft yeah because i i think like as creatives uh okay i by the way i am a i'm a brand designer so i i do design and i do like a brand strategy work at at my full-time job so as a creative right i would think that most of us it's just innately in us to always look for this kind of uh what do you call it like like passion like yeah, yeah, yeah. Passion projects, like you just do or you sew some stuff or you paint some stuff over the weekend. It's just, it's just like, uh, I don't really like to go out. So I, I do these sort of things at home. And, and then, so I think that drawing illustrations are really something that I enjoy since young. And you can give me a piece of pen and paper, right? Then I can keep me occupied for four hours. Right? I don't need to talk, right? <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel that this time also to work from home, then you have nothing to do. Then because my husband works, so he only, he only comes back at night. And then from like what, 6pm to 10 o'clock, uh, it's, it's just me alone at home or like me doing my own thing. So you just have a lot of time to think, reflect on your life, like this is what I want, uh, is it going where I'm going to go, that kind of thing. And then you just, you just like, oh, okay, let's try this. Yeah. But I think, I think like before, uh, before even all this started, right, back to how it really, really, really started is because uh, I'm sure most, I, 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 both of you know I have this account called Catfire Goals. Uh, so my... At that point in time, my goal was to explore how I can retire early. And I think like through, through that, right, because that taught me discipline, that taught me to save money, taught me to structure my life, taught, taught me to like 
find ways to invest in, in, in things that are within my means and all that. Then from there, uh, I took little, little steps. So I realized that, yeah, shit, uh, I cannot just keep saving and saving and cooking and cooking. Then it's not going, it's not going anywhere. Like, I'm not going to get to my goal. And then I, from there, I started, okay, maybe I should do something I, I love. Then if I can do something I love and that people will, you know, like pay me for it or enjoy what I do, then I think it's a win-win. Uh. Then, okay, oh, that's how it started. Yeah, I, I resonate so much uh, like when you say like, you know, uh, saving saving money is not going to get you uh, to your your financial goal because like I myself, I've been also, um, you know, cooking a lot at home, trying to save money and all that. And like, there's just, I, I noticed at some point in time, uh, you will, you will come, at, at, at first it might be like helpful, uh, you know, to get your finances all sorted out and organized. But beyond that point, right, it becomes very difficult to, to you know, keep going because like, I mean, cooking, eh, I, I like to cook, uh, but then um, at some point in time also, you will feel like meal prepping and everything, you know, eating the same thing every day. It's just kind of sad, you know, and, and it, it doesn't help you, like, uh, it doesn't help you, like, you know, 10x your money, yeah, that kind of stuff. And that's why, like, I, I find your your story about, like, you know, uh, upskilling and, like, exploring NFTs to be, like, really inspiring because, like, you know, yeah, it, 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 for, for people who are pursuing fire, I feel like saving is just kind of, like, the, the start of it. And then, like, you, if you want to go down the road um, far enough and, and, and achieve, like, uh, whatever goals that you have, right? You have to, you know, up your game and do something different. Yeah, I, I feel. And 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 also, um, I I think that saving and all that, right? It, it sets the foundation for you to be disciplined. And then from there, right, it becomes this structured routine where okay, I invest X X this month. I I cook. I weekends. I do this, and then it's it's like set really. But then how much more <laughs> how much more time do you want to spend on it to refine this process? I mean it's like good, right? It works, right? For a few months it's okay. You did not blow up your budget. Because if if this one you all don't know lah, but like last time before I started this thing, right? I have very, 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 very bad finance, even finances, even though I've worked for ten years, right? I had very miserable savings. And it's because I don't have a goal. Like someone actually had to tell me this in the face. Um egg, you don't have a goal. And that's why you are here where you are. Like, and today you're still like, you know, looking for somebody going through the motion of life and everything. Then I was like, yeah, it's true, shit, I don't have a goal. So maybe I start something. Start a, start a little project. So I was like, okay, to quantify how I can reach my whatever this goal is or to find my goal, right? I have to have, um, how do you say, I have to quantify it with a number. So a number means like money. And then it started from there. So I think like it sets the foundation. Then after that, if you want to do more, you just really have to uh, increase your streams of income. La. I mean, yeah, dividends and profits and all this are one thing. But then I think that for me, right, because I'm also in this field, design and uh, art and everything, uh, it's something that I love to do, something that I can do. So uh, it's like in your face, really. You still don't want to try. You don't want to try 10 years later. <laughs> you try, then it's like, what's the point? You just do it now. Like, you, you don't know you might die tomorrow or next year or something. Yeah, that's that's so true. So, but I think we straight uh, quite far from work from home. Uh. Oh, yeah. So, just to just to come back, you know, uh, I'm going to ask Aaron, like, how what do you think about work from home? I know you like travel a lot, you know, so probably you're quite well accustomed to the whole remote work thing so how are you taking this uh i think it's great because i think as cat mentioned um i think on average a person saves about three hours of commute time then on top of that i think you save even more time from the fact that you basically don't have to go to office and bingo right because i think um if you are very like i think end of the day if you're a person who is very like focused on your work you don't really need to spend a lot of your waking hours and your mental energy doing work 
uh, doing active work because uh, from my experience, right, um, I can get a lot of my stuff done quite within about three to four hours a day. You know, I don't really need a lot of time to like actively to manage my work schedule. I think three, four hours to me, right, is more than enough time to get shit done uh, uh, for my business and for my clients uh, pretty much every day. So um, I think the, the main cost for me, right, in terms of like doing my business uh, pre-COVID now uh, was the travel time. Because one day I can dedicate up to four or five hours, right? Traveling uh, from places to places to meet clients, to do things around uh, regarding personal finance. Uh. So that is a very expensive like cost for me, you know, to travel to and fro. Mm. And uh, so when this uh, COVID thing happened, right? I tested. So uh, the entire, basically everyone was tested on the fact, uh, can you actually, do you actually need to be physically there to basically run business? And uh, during COVID, right? My business actually uh, didn't do badly i think during covid my business more than 3x without wow. meeting people wow. yeah so and on top of that uh basically i i did it with less time uh and then the conversion value was higher right so basically during covid it proved to me that all for the longest time i've always felt that uh businesses that can run online should run online because you actually cut costs in terms of fixed overhead you also cut costs in terms of travel time and so long as you have a value proposition right where you're able to reach out to the customers that you want uh, you just need to solve the problem of acquiring customers so if you're able to solve that problem of acquiring customers right then you should be able to run a relatively lean business uh, much better and far more efficient than a physical business now so when you ask me the question are we expected to do more post-covid i would say that um i would say yes but uh not in the tr in the traditional sense of way where you put in more hours um i call this the japanese style of working where you basically put in a lot of effort for marginal return mm. you know uh, because if you go to japan a lot of these people are very much overworked because the way that they show effort is to basically just show up right and you can you can stay in the office until like 10 11 o'clock right then then basically you just follow your bosses around to drink until you're like half dead then you're like <laughs> go the next morning then you redo then you do this for like five days a week right mm. uh, it's not exactly bad la. i mean i mean it works for them la. but i think um you know the covid situation from work from home has given rise to like the questions uh, of how whether or not uh whether or not you actually need to be in the office to get shit done because what i do realize and learn through this like two-year experiment right is that very high functioning people right they work better not in office but at home because i'm i'm one of them uh. i think I'm, I'm very much like egg like that like i i'm pretty much prefer to work from home because I feel like it's a far more efficient use of my time. And it's not to say that I'm not I'm not like I'm not like being a lazy ass about it. Like, because as you said, right, um you have more time to do your stuff. Uh, and that actually uh shows in your work productivity as well. So I do have a lot more time to go to a gym. So uh for the because of this work from home right for the past like one and a half years, I have not missed a single workout um compared to I was back in the days uh, where I was like running from place to place. So I had more time to go to beat the gym. I had to more more time to be disciplined about my finances as well. And I think the whole point about like being like disciplined about finances does tie back to the work from home. Because if you are constantly working from home, right, um you don't need to have a special set of routine now where you remain productive, where you remain actually pretty productive. Because if you don't have that, then it's very easy for you to basically get this distracted and then you don't like produce work la, correct so um for me um this also gives rise to basically learning and acquiring new skill sets and and it actually ties back to the podcast episode right because when you work from home there are a certain uh, key sets of new skills you do need to learn and this includes learning how to make friends and learning how to network online without meeting people in person, right? And this particular episode is the best example of that because for those of you who are listening out there, 
we have all three of us are, have never met each other before in in person. Never, right? Yeah. You realize that like over two years ago, we 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 know each other, you know, and we have talked to each other on chat. I, me and Ryan even started a podcast, you know, and it's been running smoothly for one year and we have never met each other. We have also never met Ig before. So, so it really does. Ryan and you never most, met before. <laughs> no, never. No. I'm, I'm pretty, I, I think, yeah, you know, I think it's pretty surprising, right? That, uh, that that Ryan actually met the uh that that Ryan actually met MJ from Furl a lot faster than he actually met me. Oh. Right. So actually, I have never met Ryan in in person before. So every time, whenever uh, people like uh, find this out, they are actually pretty surprised because I think the impression that we give is that we are good friends in person. Actually, we have never met each other before. Yeah. I I would think someone would come <laughs> over or you go over like you know after after an hour and after a year and a half of friendship. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that goes to show how hikokomori we are, right? <laughs> we pretty much, we pretty much like to stay within our own area and not meet up. But I mean, it works, right? For for me and Ryan, we still have that 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 dynamic and that uh thing, and it, it works out. So it really does show and does prove that it can work, provided that um you know you put in the effort to learn about it, lah. Because honestly, when I speak to Ryan online, right, I can easily like we can easily chat for with each other for like three four hours one shot, uh on on Instagram. Yeah. 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 So so we do have that friendship, right? And it's something that I think is not is not different from MMORPG, right? Correct or no? Because when you last time when uh you guys used to play things like Maple, things like a Diablo, you know, I'm pretty sure last time you also had your own communities where you're able to chat with your friends like three four hours stretch in game, right? And then going doing stuff like that. So it's not very much different. I think uh that is one particular skill set that I think people need to learn because if you restrict your work from home, right? If you don't go towards a work from home model, you are restricting your talent pool uh, to people who only can do things physically. Yeah. And the, the from what I've learned is that people who are able to work and adapt online, right? Generally, they get things done a lot faster at a much cheaper price. That's yeah, why that's I true. Because that's I think true. there's going to be a huge premium uh, that you need to pay, right? For physical or uh, in-person labor. Because I think when given a choice, people would rather take the option pays less to work from home than to pay about 10-15% more. I think they will take that 15% haircut to not go to office. Actually, that person is me, but I'm just not given the option. But I do fantasize in my head, like, oh, if my boss cut my pay 20%, I think I'm okay to work from home. <laughs> yeah, and that also, and that the reason you can do that is because you use the extra time to basically create your own side hustles, right? Yeah. But not like, yeah. You do it during working hours. It's just that during working hours, you can fully zone in on work, right? And then you only, like, account to your boss or account to my colleagues, like, let's run through this, this. You fix a particular time. And then there's no distractions. No one's, like, talking over your head. Nobody's holding Zoom meeting beside you. And then you're just more productive, lah. And that's what I really like about working from home, lah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, like, in, in physical, like, kind of, like, working environments, I do recognize that there's some some benefits to it because like, i work hybrid so i i kind of like get to enjoy work from home but like sometimes i'm not sure why why some people right for, like not everyone uh is why the same way uh, where they can function work from home so like sometimes you have to be in the office be right by the side to tell them you have to do this to get that by tomorrow or 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 when whenever you know and then only shit gets done so like I mean, like, um, you know, being in the office is, I, I don't like being in the office that much, but then I do recognize the benefit of it. Uh, so, I mean, kind of like, yeah. Yeah, true. La. Some things you need to be in the office. Like for us, right, when we do design, uh, like the final stages of the design, where you really have to be in front of the computer with someone to move things here, move things there, trying things out, then it's faster that way. And then you try to do it over Zoom, uh, wow, it's a, 
it's the it's blur, it's lag. Then as you you are the viewer, right, trying to you know QC the guy or something like that, it's just not working lah. So I I think that that half half thing is actually quite productive for people like us lah. And what do you think, Aaron? I think people need to adapt. <laughs> <laughs> I think like like even young kids I, I think I just have to ask the fundamental question uh, do you think that more value is going to be built online or physically in the next 10 years it's probably going to be online it has been online so, for the last 10 years it's going to be online so if in the next 10 years and do you think it's going to be exponentially more or less exponentially more most probably so so if that is going to be the future, all right, then I think it's very important that people learn to wake up and start to learn how to work online. And stop dreaming about the days uh, where you can have office workers coming to work in the office, working 8 to 5, going through the traffic for 3 hours because good employees, they have options. Yeah. Right. And as a business, uh, you need to learn how to adapt to the, what the, the talent wants. And uh, basically, talent, if they have options, if you don't provide it for them, they will move. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure they are able to. And like increasingly, uh, as I'm traveling around the world, what I'm realizing is that um, the world is going to be pretty much uh, like going to be like uh, remote working. So I think you need to basically have that like i do recognize there are certain times right where being in person does help um but i also do believe that people need to recognize uh, that as we start to go into the future that remote working is going to be just bigger and bigger um it's going to be the pretty much the default uh, because we have proven in the last two years that we are able to function without being in person right yeah well, i mean we've already proven that we can do it so i don't understand why uh, we're trying to go back to the pre-COVID era because apart from certain things like, you know, food, actually food you can even deliver to your place. Lah, but um, but apart from certain things like, you know, even social events where you can like meet together, you know, then can sense, sense out the, the, the vibes, right? Like maybe, of course, medical care is there has to be in person. Um, but even doctor appointments now, I don't even have to wait like five hours. I don't have to wait like an hour to see my doctor. In Singapore, I can just go doctor anywhere, right? The app just open. Less than three minutes, less than thirty seconds, I get to see a doctor. He sends the medication to me immediately. I don't yeah. even have to go and work. Uh, wait at the queue for one hour. Right. So, so and then he also can give me MC. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Sorry, sorry to cut you, but um, to add on to that, that's actually how I saw my doctor during COVID because the, the queue was just too damn long. It was just right after the F one weekend, so everybody got COVID, right? Then when I went there, they tell me to come back at six pm. I huh, I'm dying already. And then I just went online, download Speed Doc, and then like the medicine was like here after that in like three hours, four hours. Yeah, so I think it was very very good experience. And then at the point I was like, yeah, actually a lot of things you don't have to go down to the doctor. You can just show, you know, your symptoms over the over the online and all that. It's a bit more pricey, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, but uh, as I say lah, um, time is money. So I think if given the option, people, especially if you're very sick, right, people will not want to wait yeah. or to save that that amount lah. Because it's like it's, if you're already dying, ah, then you cannot get out of bed, right? I, I would definitely prefer to uh be a doctor. And actually, in in the cases of certain doctors, right, sometimes if you just need a prescription, you don't need the medication, you can tell them, just give me a prescription, I'll go to my pharmacy and buy. You don't have to buy from them, yeah. actually. Yeah. So I think this is basically like, just just to illustrate, like, I think people, as this why this why me and Ryan title podcast change before you're forced to change. You don't want to wake up 10 years later as a business owner or entrepreneur and realize that you have no employees. So, you know, Talking about all this work from home does lead us to the next question, right? And that is like relevance of uh, degrees or even like relevance of like uh, work experience. Like uh, for you, Ake, when you like decided to start your own like 
NFT project, right? How relevant was your work experience transiting into like the project that you did? Oh, um, so for me, right, uh, because I have been working for slightly over 10 years. So, I, so, um, so, so what I did was like design. So I think design skills, art skills, all this is definitely, uh, definitely has been very useful. And, and also, um, there's this part where you have to uh, do project management and then uh, all this. So I, I think that this has played quite an important role. Like, you know, sometimes you have to plan what you want to do, what you want to prioritize, which one goes out first, what is this, what, what is this like, if you're doing a campaign, what is this, what's the flow going to be like, and then what's the intent and all that. So conceptually, all this thing, I, I felt that work has trained me quite vigorously, but <laughs> there is always a but. But uh, the marketing side of things, uh, going out to meet people, to, you know, to network, to how to sell yourself, how to pitch yourself, all these things, I don't think uh, work has taught me anything. So in that aspect, right, I started from zero and I'm still learning today. <laughs> like you mentioned, so when you mentioned things like marketing skill, do you have to learn all this from scratch? Uh, yes. Yeah. So actually what happened was when I first started with uh, the Rogue X project, right, uh, a lot of things went wrong, meaning I wasn't doing it right. I wasn't speaking like how, um, it, it, just, it sounded very, uh, it was, oh, how do I put it? Uh, it was very fast paced. The the things that I was trying to tell people that this is this is why you should get a rogue egg, like um it did not resonate with people. But basically not just not meeting uh market demands lah. Then at that point in time because there were also a lot of other PFP projects uh, that came up and then they are uh, they, they had more, you know, this thing called utility where they promise you like merch or they oh there's gonna be a game, there's gonna be like a comic, a manga that goes along with it. And I had I had none of that. I didn't know that um uh, I I didn't know like how difficult it would be or like that that is the that is the standard that people are doing. Then for me it was more like an art project. But but then again art is art, right? So why should people care about your art, right? Then uh so I think from that lesson I learned that I had to pivot. Even even upskill, I still have to pivot lah to find a way to speak to people. And also at the same time you have to stay true to yourself to like don't draw this because the market wants this. Uh, so in that aspect like marketing side, right, I had to uh, learn everything from scratch. Lah. Try and error, a lot of try and error, a lot of like, asking for people's opinions and then from there you just learn. Lah. I think actually you made a very valid point uh, uh, because like I, I realized that um, you're basically like an entrepreneur who's like hustling, right? Because I think like in the earlier days of your road, I know that you were actually like reaching out to people to basically like uh, do some like like trying to get some interest in your project la. You were reaching out personally, um, and that's something which I really respect because uh, I've been basically like also been pretty much like a self employed for like the last ten years of my life la. So I understand that grind and I really respect it because, um, I think that's one thing that um in terms of like the original question was relevance of degrees, right? Is that I think like as and also can also say and speak to what Egg has mentioned about her work experience right is that a lot of these places train you to be a very good employee but i think what they really feel in right is uh they basically train you to learn how to market yourself and your service in your product because the truth of the matter is right uh this in entrepreneurship we call this product market fit right so it's actually very very difficult right for a person right to actually get product market fit from the get-go you know, especially if you're going to start a new project. And this is also the reason why a lot of creative people who go to art school, right, they end up becoming entrepreneurs. Because the truth of, the, the fact of the matter is, right, to be an entrepreneur, right, is that you are, you do need to innately be a creative person, right? Because um, starting a business or side hustle from scratch uh, is by itself a creative uh, endeavor, 
right? Because you are creating things from scratch. You are innately creating a creative thing. So, um, you know, so this is why, like, I do feel like um, a lot of business schools, right, they overemphasize a lot on the mechanics and operations of a business, but they don't focus so much on the content creation side of things, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, like if you think about it, a running business, right, is really, if you're going to start a business from scratch, what you are really doing uh, is content creation. And that by itself is something that's very difficult because it requires a lot of creative aspect of thinking of how to do it. And also as what you mentioned, which I like, is that not only does it need to have a product market fit, but it also needs to be something which you yourself enjoy doing because that's the whole point of you starting your own side hustle, right? Because if you're going to do something uh, just because of what the market wants, right? Then <laughs> there's no, that, that's not much different from what an employee, uh, basically an employee is doing, lah. Correct. It's yeah. just that um, I, there's some level of like maneuverability which you can have, right? So I think that's why I I, I really respect uh the the hustle and the grind which you did because it did just bring back uh memories of, of when I was uh, uh when I started also ten years ago la. So um in terms of relevance of degrees, uh, how about you, Ryan? Like um how much do you actually use from what was taught in your university? Because I do know that um you you studied in university but i don't think it's very related to what you studied right or basically or what you're doing now yeah it's kind of like uh the funny thing is right um i i did a master's so uh i the thesis uh, master's thesis i was working on right that was not relevant to any of my um like it's not really relevant to my course uh, so i studied civil engineering but i uh, my my master's thesis was on hydraulic and hydrological modeling. So it's basically predicting rainfall and floods lah, in, in layman terms. So it, it it's not so much of a relevance. And I when I went into this field again, there's like zero relevance. So I had to learn everything from scratch. That includes like things like statistics, data science, programming, um, GIS, uh, sounds weird, but it's like a geographic information system. Like, but in short, you know, we, uh, as a joke, we call it GIS. So, um, the more you know. But anyway, um, you know, the, it's a very niche field, and um, you know, the the things that I learned in university was not very, um, applicable. Of maybe one or two subjects, but a majority, I would say, like ninety percent of it was kind of like useless. So. Um, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, when I came into like uh, the workforce, right? And then I realized one thing. Uh, because uh, of how um, like engineering itself, right? Is kind of like a very niche field. So you need to kind of like be a specialist to be able to be like um, a mechanical engineer or like a civil engineer or a chemical engineer. So uh, there's, there's, a, there's a certain kind of level of like... Um, specialization you need to go through to be able to to perform tasks at that level uh, so at, at uh at uh um whatever the job is uh, so but then like for for people like engineers right we like the common um problem we have uh, is like when we want to do a side hustle right uh that is like kind of like related to our work it's close to impossible because of like how niche it is you know so like i can't really say that i want to you know um i'm sorry uh become like kind of like a self-employed like modeler and i model for like um like high, a model computational I, I build computational models for for different projects as like a side project i can't you know unless your your company is like so gracious that they they can allow you to have like a like a side job which uh has a conflict of interest to their main business so uh which i think is like not gonna happen you know anytime soon um but 
the that that became like a problem for me when I was trying to find like a, a side hustle. So what I ended up uh doing was kind of like uh software training um for for university students and and other professionals. But at softwares that um you know I cannot uh that that is not related to my or directly competitive to my day job. So it's also again it's not something that you know a hundred percent I am uh specialized in. So like I cannot be the best at it. And again, like uh like software training for university students is not kind of like a good business because um nowadays you have YouTube and everything, right? So like um chances are people are not gonna pay you and pay you for for software training. So it never actually worked out. And that was when I kind of thought, right? Like if I knew how to draw or like write, you know. I could be like a copywriter or I could be like a um an artist who draws like manga or like uh or, or, or commission art or NFTs maybe. So like in that sense, you know, art is kind of like nicer than the sciences because like in the end, the sciences you are kind of like binded to your 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 company. So like you can't really operate outside of um uh their their domain, you know. So you know, but coming back like uh how much did I really use from what was taught in university? It's now nah, it's close to ir- irrelevant. It did help me get a head start um in certain uh aspects in my career, but like most of it not really. Not even the soft skills. Uh. I mean, like probably you would have like like um you know engineers uh you you kind of like a, a, you will build like an analytical kind of mindset, but you know I I think this kind of this kind of stuff it, you will pick it up. With, uh, at the job so yeah I think like adding on to what Ryan say right um, I know your first few times hasn't been like you know super successful as a, as a side hustle but um, from my experience and also from friends who are also in the NFT scene we both concluded that uh, the first time won't be the last time la. like it, it will it, it, it's like always a start you have to start somewhere and no really really no, no one really succeeds on the first time. So you just gotta keep trying until you find something that you can click with. Lah. And actually, actually, like, I know, I know Aaron said this to me a long, long, long time ago when I first started Rogue X, right? But it stayed with me for quite a while. I don't know if you remember, but he said something like, if you don't, let me think what he said. Um, he said like, uh, if, if you don't, uh, if you, if you don't do this, but like you get started this, right, uh, on, on Rogue X, on this project or whatever, right, it will lead to somewhere. And that's, and and this may not be the end point, but you know the fact that it will grow on you and it will uh, make you want to try more new things and just do more lah. And then I I at that point I was very um, was a bit discouraged. But then when I heard that, I felt that this sense of like wow. So so that was also one of those moments that kept me going till today lah. So yeah, thank you, Aaron. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I think, um. You know, I I think the reason why I I like um you a lot, Egg, is because um you know there are many people who only know how to say, but very very little people who know how to execute. Yeah, actually, actually, right, like because it's like um uh, you know um I can't say much about this, but um I've also been trying to start something new in the last month, right? And then mm-hmm. I think what a lot of my team members are learning, right? Uh, which I really knew because I've been doing business for like ten years, right? I started from nothing, so. Um, and that is to stop listening to what 
people are telling you and start listening to the market, right? Because I think this is something which as entrepreneurs and creators are your guys, I mean, end of the day, you all need to listen to. And that is instead of listening to inputs of what could be, start listening to inputs of what people are willing to spend money on. Because I think this is like the best uh, market feedback that you can get in whatever project that you're doing in. Uh, and it's to get customers to pay you money. That is the best feedback that I've learned in business now. Because I think that is really like, end of the day, that's the best feedback right? so when you have a sale. Yeah. Because uh, like all businesses, right, the first, the most important thing is that you must have a sale. Because, and then when you do your first successful sale, right, then you also need to really step back and ask the question, how is it when you did the sale, can it be replicated? Can it be scaled? Then from there, you can double down, triple down or whatever, like scale it. So, um, you know, that's, that's what I also learned like in my own experience lah, because uh, I also do learn in my own like uh, business experience, right? It's not very easy to um, get that first sale. It's always tough, you know, but after you get it, right, then you get the second one. Then you get the third one. Then you get the fourth one. Then you pretty much can figure out what is it that the market want and then you can basically double down on that and then scale. Right, so it's not very easy, you know. Like um, uh, that's why when when I was looking at X journey, right, um, it, it it brought back memories of when I first started business. Now it's like the first time I tried to do a sale, it was tough. But I think once you cross that threshold of being able to put yourself out there, which is what a lot of people cannot do, because in order for you to put yourself out there itself is very scary, uh, because it's like wow, everybody is so excited. Then when you launch, right, then you realize, eh, shit, nobody, <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> Oh right, like to, so. Yeah, I'm an introvert lah. So to even put myself out there and to say something online ah, like asking for my kidneys yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's not easy lah. But the very fact that you even put like put yourself out there, I think is really better than a, what a lot of people can do because a lot of people only know how to talk; they don't know how to do. Yeah. Right. So the key to success, I would say, in all endeavors, is not just talking; you must execute. Like execution. That's why I'm not very worried about. Um, when when I do things right, I'm not very worried about uh, very smart people. You know, I, I tend to take the mantra that if you're too smart, it's actually more of a detriment than a positive. Because usually what I've noticed that people who are too smart, they argue too smart, right? they don't execute. They only know how to talk. Yeah, actually, actually I, <laughs> my, wanted to, I wanted to flex this, lah, but I have this I have this badge that my boss bought for me in, I can't remember where, but it says built, don't talk. So, all along, yeah. right, I've always been that kind of person. I will tiam tiam do my work. Lah. Then only when I need to or when you ask me for my opinion, then I will speak. And it's actually a 360 now. I I talk more now. Like, I'm more, more outspoken also because of this side hustle and also because, like, I am, I'm put in a position where I have to, you know, go out and meet new people. And if there are NFT events or everything, I have to I have to be there. Then sometimes, like, if I'm part of the event, you know, I have to speak and all that. So it's been really, really quite a journey. And, yeah, so I really think that for me, right, doing is not an issue because of my past experience and also because I really, really, really like drawing. So ask me to do this, ask me to learn new like uh, art-based art skills, software, all this is not a problem. I will learn it eventually. It's all like in my roadmap of my goals. So so yeah, and, and, and the thing is like, yeah, Lord, I really hold true to this like build, don't talk. Lah. So doers are, are it's something that I, I've always... Uh, I, I, I always tell myself that I have to know how to do even if let's say if I have a team or something and everybody for some reason dies or bangs at me right, I must be able to execute yeah. but I think I think personally I have to up the game on you know trying to be more vocal to be more out there but uh, I would argue that uh, like that, that talking is not 
uh, what what we mean by talking. I would say that marketing yourself uh, through talking, uh, that is actually doing, right? Because that is also active work because you are marketing yourself. So it's not the same as a person who say, oh, you know, I can do this, da, 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 but they never execute, right? Because when a person um, says things to market themselves, right? It's not a question of like, um, uh, I would say it's the different type of talking that we're, we're saying. Basically, people only come in, then they only know how to talk, don't know how to do anything. They don't even know how to get clients, right? Yeah. Then they only like to overpromise, they never deliver. Not even under-deliver, never deliver. No. <laughs> right? <Not fully. laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so like, you know, so that's like, so like, um, I really resonate with a lot of your experience in like the hustling because, uh, you know, I've, I've also been on a similar journey. So actually that does bring ask to the next question right and that is like upskilling during active employment like um cat i mean like um you did mention right uh that you did it during an active employment so the question is why do you pursue it wow actually i did i did cover this early in the first question but maybe i can go deeper into it lah. um yeah first of all i think wow the experience has like it wow let me like pause a bit. Um, um, because it's just a one-man show, right? So it really, really takes up 24 hours of your time. But the more you do it, the more in love, I would say, I'm with it. And for me, hang on now. <laughs> so, okay, back to the question. Why did I pursue it during active employment? I think I think in short, right? It's like, if not now, then when? I'm already in my, I am my mid-30s. Early 30s, mid-30s, that, that kind of range. But it's like, if you want to wait 10 years later, I think 10 years later... I, I can almost take up my CPF money already. La. So what's the point, right? And 10 years later, you're less active. You you Maybe you don't have the energy anymore. You don't have the drive anymore. And then also, I'm the kind of person that if I have an idea, I want to do it like per of the moment, then I'll start to, okay, let's have this little project and, uh, and see how it goes from there. And for some reason, this little project has ballooned into what it is today. La, and I'm still like, until today, I'm still very excited about it. Uh, so I, I think in short, it's like, if not now, then when? And and right now, it's like it's like everything fits, you know. You're not just doing art. I think the, the whole scene about NFT art is that it has so many different genres and you can choose what kind you want. For me, I choose like one-of-one one art and, uh, you know, uh, maybe, yeah, mainly one-of-one one art and maybe in future editions. Lah. But it's also not just art because you don't just put it out there and then like hope people buy it or you have to approach museums or it's not it's not just like you like it you buy it kind of thing there's this there's this element of uh marketing that has to go with it and then how, how do i say it? like the, the, the people are saying that they want to buy art not just for art but because it is a persona or it is a that there's a certain relevance to them that comes along with it and i feel that this this very unique fit right is something that i'm very interested to venture into and to try my making sense <laughs> yeah you are because like uh, anybody who has followed the art scene do knows that a lot of power is actually held within the auction sites right mm. and a lot of the critics so when you go inside nft and when you actually put yourself your your art out there then you essentially just decentralize the power mm, yeah. right i mean to a certain extent la, to a certain extent la, i mean obviously like um, nobody can easily sell $69 million worth of NFT, you know, <laughs> you know, but, um, but I, I do understand because like, I would say that, um, because I myself also came from art school. Um, I, I did came from art school, I think like, uh, don't know how many donkey years ago, right? So I, like, I so sort of know that the scene is quite concentrated in terms of power. So like when the NFT space came in, I was very much like happy to see that a lot of the marketing can be done and most importantly, the artist can be paid. Yeah. 
right? Because I think it's very, very difficult, right? Before NFT space, uh, that a lot of artists were struggling to get to eat. Like. It was it was tough. Like. It was, it was uh, not an easy like endeavor to go into. Like. That's why a lot of the artists, they eventually uh, venture into entrepreneurism, right? So um, I think that's why also like uh, upscaling it. I think your point about like uh, doing it now, uh, instead of waiting 10 years later, it's very, very, very like, valid point, which is why, um, you know, that's why a lot of people always like, um, you know, there are always like some people always wonder like how people are able to achieve so much with like relatively like short span of time, right? I think this this level, I think your point about the, the urgency in terms of needing to do it when you're young is something which I definitely um can resonate with because uh, end of the day, I also use that same barometer myself when I make decisions. Like when deciding to make very major life decisions and life changes, I always ask myself, uh, say if I go 20 years from today, right, will I regret if I didn't do it? Right. Then if I, the answer is yes, then I'll probably go and uh, make adjustment to ensure that I do it. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I think it also goes back to you, right, Ryan, because like you yourself, you also started your own like Instagram channel. Then you even like started this podcast uh, together, you know, this RA to own podcast. Like why do you pursue it? I mean, you, you don't have to do it, you know, Ryan, but why do you decide to, and I must add, uh, guys, I mean, uh, Ryan is the one editing this podcast. Uh, he edits it damn fast, you know, like usually his turnaround is less than 12 hours. Like, why do you pursue it, Ryan? And like, like, why do you do it? I guess uh, I should mention about like uh, some of the interests I had. It's a little bit embarrassing, but when I was younger, right, I used to kind of like have a YouTube channel. So I always liked to do video editing, but um. The genre-wise, you know, um, comedy and like all the um, like having a personality was never really my thing. So I never really stuck through with it. But when it came to investing, right, I thought like maybe I should just, um, you know, do like a little bit of a journal and um, write down what I learned, what I think, my reflections and everything. I, because um, again, uh, thanks to work from home, you know, I had more time to think about investing and uh so eventually i started doing this and um the channel the instagram channel started off as kind of like a self-education thing so i learned best when i kind of like tried to condense things into a slide or make notes of it and um that's what i did for uh some of my investments so um when i was like trying to come up with a thesis for some some company you know um you know, I would I would try to like write down, read through everything and then um just kind of like journal. And then I thought like um at that point in time my girlfriend was running a bookstagram and she was like, You should start like a kind of like a channel uh where you journal your investment investments and kind of like um some of the books you read, you know. And I thought it was, yeah, maybe I should and then I just gave it a try and then one thing led to another. Um, you know, I met Aaron and then uh slowly, you know, uh after a year I thought like maybe, you know, let's let's start a podcast together and here we are, you know. Well actually I really yeah, like... resonate with Ryan's story. Like one thing really leads to another and that's how that's that's also like the enjoyable part of it, despite you know that like you one person doing everything and it's so tiring. But it's also like a self reflection, self learning journey, right? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, like uh, the 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 main thing I I I took away from all this is like um learning because like investing, right? Like like how uh you got um some info on like FTX before the whole shit goes down. Mm. It's kind of like this, you know, when you are more well connected, right? You are you you have more access to information all around so i thought like um you know it's the same thing for like investments and everything else so in life like basically so like um you know i didn't have friends in the investing scene 
most of my friends are engineers. So, you know, I, I thought like, you know, I had to make friends in like a new circle because like I was getting a bit um uh like really serious about investing in these. So I thought like, yeah, you know, maybe I should kind of come up with like a new network of like friends and um people that are are are, are in the industry, you know, like investors or like retail, be it retail or um professionals or you know, um, you know, people in NFTs like like you artists and um yeah, just to kind of like broaden my network, you know. And um, that's why I also kind of like started the um, Instagram channel again. You know what I learned from listening to both of you? <laughs> I learned that, right, uh, none of us actually started it with the intention to make money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> actually, if you really listen to all three of us, uh, the reason why we all started, right, is because we couldn't find anyone in our circle who's willing to talk with this. <laughs> it's our straight. <laughs> Uh, because we don't have friends in real life, is it? <laughs> no, like, it's not we don't have friends in real life. Uh, it was maybe around our current circle and existing circle. We just couldn't find someone to talk eight hours with, right? Like, wh- why else would you, like, do it, like, and then, like, reach out and do stuff like that? Right? Because yeah, end exactly. of the day, it's about the, 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 the relationships that you build while you're doing it, la, which is why, like, you know, there is uh, people who are always holding back, oh, you know, it's been done to death. I say, yes, it's been done to death. Nothing's original, but you haven't, but uh, how you do it is always unique to you. Yeah. Right, which is always like, uh, why always people always, uh, that's why I say, la, always people always say, oh, it's, you know, uh, it's been done to death. I say, yes, but uh, you won't know until you try. Because end of the day, I think how you do it is very uniquely to you. It's very difficult to find someone who can replicate you, right? So, um, and I think that also leads out to our, to our next question, like um, our next question, right? Like um, broadening opportunities because I think both of you have shared quite uh, in depth in terms of like, how it has broadened your opportunities uh, in terms of like um, your skill sets, right? So maybe I, I can share with this uh, and that is what I've learned in this like two years endeavor, right? Is that I learned um, marketing um, I learned how to market significantly better um, compared to my uh, traditional way of marketing because the traditional way of marketing the way I do it is I tend to just make relationships you know then do war market then from there I make friend I make friend I make friend then um, what I've learned is that it's very possible to actually do uh, marketing online provided that you basically do a marketing funnel effectively so a lot of the skills that I picked up in uh, in terms of investing right um in doing this Instagram channel did not translate to literal like monetization because I knew from the get-go that uh, this channel is likely going to be something which I cannot mon- monetize because uh, but what it does provide right is uh, as what Ryan mentioned and what Adrian mentioned is that it does provide connections and uh, friends and I think most importantly friends are uh, you can talk to and basically just upgrade your own men- uh, mental behavior because what I learned is that um, on Instagram right what I've noticed is that people are quite positive lah. yeah compared to <laughs> other other social media platforms. Actually, I, I do realize that Instagram is a very like positive space. Uh, usually the conversation over that I get on Instagram is actually quite high, high quality relatively. Like, I will say 95, 90 to 95% of the conversations are people who generally are quite positive, you know. Um, then if you want something which a little bit more like a uh, cute anon, then you go to Twitter, uh, right? <laughs> so so a lot of these conspiracy theories are inside Twitter. But I do realize that uh, this really does help in terms of upgrading your mental um, thinking process because it really does put things into perspective when you think about opportunities in your life that come your way because um, compared to, you know, if you don't do stuff like that, right, you don't write down your thoughts, uh, then basically you're stuck with this, like, uh, I will be stuck in a situation where basically I'm just running the thoughts in my head. I got no one to talk to. 
right? Then when I read Straits Times in Singapore, then when I read like the Bloomberg articles, then I cannot put out a voice and have a conversation with someone uh, random around the world. But uh, when I am able to do this via Instagram or Twitter and have like conversations with these people, I get a very good sense of what uh, the ground reality is like. And that is why in terms of monetization, I might not have earn money but I definitely can dodge a bullet like FTX that by itself uh, is alpha because if I did not put myself out there I would not have actually gone down the rabbit hole of actually going to follow Twitter and I could have been basically shot like 50% so in many ways right, I do think that um, there is hidden alpha in terms of monetization uh, that is not actually recorded through the revenue side. But in terms of like protecting your wealth, growing with wealth, you know, I think all these ideas that you exchange with conversations you have uh, really does add a lot to your opportunity list. Uh, because, you know, someone might say something online to you that opens up opportunities in the future. Yeah. Right, and it doesn't have to come in terms of payment. It can become it, it comes in terms of ideas because I think that is what is very powerful about the internet. Right, it's like when you talk to many many different people. Right, different people have different ways of looking at things. Then sometimes, uh, all it takes is just one person telling you one sentence. Right, like uh, maybe like hey, when you mentioned that I, I told you that. Right, actually that to me was very normal. But actually that was actually taught to me by some someone in my life lah. So obviously I just passed on the knowledge. Right, and then that impacted you. But before that, it also impacted me by someone else. So in this exchange of ideas, right. If you create a very positive loop uh, around your life uh, through these opportunities or side hustles, side hustles, right? What you will naturally start to realize is that opportunities come to you and you're ready to take them. Yeah, I, I think it's also very important to be open about it. La. Like you have to be open to hearing all these feedbacks and you know, like talking to people and all that. Yeah, it can be hard, la, you know, like the uh, comments and everything. People online are mean. It's not the first uh, it, it, it's kind of normal but in, in, in the end you know you just have to kind of like have an open mind um, and, and listen to um, criticism if it's constructive you know take it into account but it's not you know just ignore it mm. so for me right yes. there is a lot of opportunities that come along with it uh, and like you say no they are not directly monetarily benefits or opportunities but uh, it has translated to collaborations friends and then you know like there's this thing going on on Twitter that tell you like oh maybe at the end of it like crypto crash and it amounts to nothing friends were the real utility then I just LOL lah because deep down inside me I actually did make a few online friends and then you know I know of friends of friends who are able to get jobs on Twitter online and legit jobs like full-time legit jobs but uh yeah so actually there is a lot of opportunities in this space and for me right um because not only I I, I don't only just do that so like because of interest and everything, we started to buy land in the central land. And then uh, he started to build that. Actually, actually, he bought the land. Uh, so, but then it also opened my eyes to like what kind of things that you can do there. Then he started to learn how to build. And then now he's like learning Blender to build this stuff, you know, to integrate in our estate. And, and also, like, because of this estate, right, I have to reach out to people to, hey, you want to exhibit in my gallery like I then big deal like that but no it's, it's just like friends and then after that because these people they like okay, okay you can feature me then because of that we are friends now and then sometimes if they have lobang or like new opportunities or what they will come and talk to me they will like tell me about it like, and it's quite cool and then on the more small scale side of things is that because the central land has a lot of events so like opportunities in the sense that I will get shit from events i even got like a 50 dollar capital land voucher for participating in the well-dressed metaverse competition <laughs> recently uh-huh. so it was cheap thrill then we went and eat like some cool ramen in town and i was very pleased with it lah. 
Then um, I, I think also recently in May, I had an exhibition at this this event called MetaJam. MetaJam is like... Yeah, yeah. I remember. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, MetaJam is like a, the, the first stop in Singapore. So I think they are they are going to plan MetaJam 2023. I, I don't know where it's going to be. And I mean, who knows? It might be Malaysia next, right? Then oh, we all can go down there to meet Ryan once and for all. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Ryan sounds like this like mythical creature we have not met in a while. <laughs> a legendary Pokemon. Yeah. Legendary Pokemon, shiny Pokemon. Need to go and hunt him down in Malaysia. So yeah, so, so yeah. back to Nether Jam, right? I uh it was because I'm also part of this community called SG NFT creators and then we had to do something for MetaGem. So we had to like curate artists to feature. Then our weekly, there would be talks. And then I had to pull everybody together, with, together with my, my, my team, of course. Then um, get them to submit their words, get them to, you know, prepare their decks and everything. Then I also was one of the speakers. And I, I think it's really a blessing that after my talk, right, uh, a few people came up to me and then we made friends. And after my talk, I think there were like two or three that translated into commissions. And one of them is the recent project that launched is the Sentosa NFT. So it was really fun. Lah. Like they just asked you like, hey, I saw your work in MetaGem. You want to do this uh, generative art collection for Sentosa? I was like, oh, okay. Then, okay, lor, let's talk. Lor. Then from there, it, um, yeah. So, so that's what I mean. Uh, upscaling really has broadened my opportunities. And this is just a start. And because of that, right, I have like a few other exhibitions coming up as well. So I think even though it is not directly, you know, kaching, kaching, but... Um, it's just building your portfolio, bu- building your Web3 persona one step at a time. And I must add, uh, uh, I must add, uh, I did show your portfolio to my my group of uh, team, right? My business team, uh, and they actually really like your art a lot. Ooh. Just saying. Because I realized uh, that your art, right, is actually very, very family friendly. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is it's very, 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 it's very, very family friendly. Therefore, it is very marketable. Yeah. Because, you know, there are certain art, right, where it's very difficult for us to engage, right, because it's not family-friendly. Then if you're a brand uh, who needs to be very family-friendly, right, then it's even harder to find people who are good at doing illustrations, right, uh, that can touch many, many things. And I think your genre of art is something which is very appealing because it's very colourful. Number one, is very colourful. And number two, is very unique. And number three is, I, I would say that it has very broad appeal, which is why I think that, um, I think over time, right, um, I think you... I think it will probably do quite well, personally. Because uh, I have sh- so far, I've shown your work to most people and I think most of the people who are inside like family-friendly businesses, uh, they, do like your, they do like your artwork. Oh, wow, that's so heartening to hear. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so and I'm, I think mostly, I think more importantly, I think I asked them, uh, I say, actually, uh, if you, are you willing to pay or not? <laughs> because that's always the determining factor, right? Uh, and I do think that, you know, if the company is profitable, I don't think, honestly, it's very difficult for us to pay for mm. you to commission work, actually. So that's something which you might might want to take back now because I do realize that uh, while looking for people to design work, right, it's very difficult for me to actually find uh, artists who do family-friendly type of artwork because usually it's like, you know, you know, like, um, usually like in terms of creative, uh, there's like this ongoing trend right now where the creatives are very, basically doing everything that looks like Apple. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right? So 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 that's like basically like you go to any marketing agency, uh, they basically just want to apple apple everything. So so it's very difficult to find people who can do this style of art because I think that 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 style of art is pretty much lost in like 
uh, it's quite hard to find, uh, I would say, uh, that people can customize. So I think that is something which is very good that you're unique in this. Actually, so, actually, to um, add on to that, right, I just wanted to say that because, because I'm also aware of all this, uh, because I work with brands and everything, ma, so I'm aware that when you create a product, right, like character design really plays a very important role. And it, you know, it's like simple gestures, simple expressions or like poses and everything that speaks a lot. And then the next step, right, about scaling it, right, it's, are you able to pull out the character? So you need like a fabric kind of base and then from there, you can do collaborations and build onto it. So that is like the commercial aspect of my brain, thinking of like how this how this can go on. La. And then also, you know, the universe is so big, right? Then how do you link it to each other? How can you extract like this character and then form a story? So that is like all in the pipeline. It's like su- super rough, but I know that I know that it's something that I enjoy to do, like, you know, creating creating this universe, creating stories and making it very um, scalable. I, I don't know if that's the word, but for now, I'll use the word. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I agree with it because when I look at your art, like, I realise it, it is actually very commercially, it, it can be commercialised. Yeah. You know, it's not something that is cannot be commercialised. When I look at it, the, the style does... Uh, make me think that it can be commercialized so i think i think your your background in this really did speak out lah because um you know there's a lot of nft art out there which i look at it i know it cannot be commercialized it cannot be mass produced it cannot be on t-shirt it cannot be on marks it cannot be on like you know a lot of things lah so uh, when i look at it i say oh so actually that came from your experience in the space right yeah 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 and also my my day job lah it's also how you yeah, actually, the, the whole thing about, you know, there's this term that's like going around, it's called digital. So it's basically like physical plus digital and together. <laughs> so I, I think for me, it's something that I'm exploring because Web3, 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 then, you know, you're just going to market to the same people over and over again. And how many of your t-shirts do they want to buy? How many of your art do they want to buy? You have to expand your, or onboard more people in a way that, so that's why like digital is something for me to look at lah. Then, yeah, you know, so I mean, later I can share more about what I'll be doing next or so. Yeah, we definitely want to hear that. So uh, how about you, Ryan? Uh, has it broadened, has uh, upscaling broadened opportunities? Yeah, you know, like what we mentioned in the last um, question, right? Uh, it, it's mostly Intel for me. So like um, kind of like getting out from FTX or like what to invest, uh, growth of mindset and connections mostly on like um the podcast and like my my instagram channel but like on uh from another perspective like from my day job right uh i just want to share a bit like uh because the real upskilling i did for for my day job was programming and so it's something that opened up a lot of opportunities for me so i before that i was only like kind of like the guy who who did like um uh the the calculations like like uh your usual engineer you know but then uh, ever since I added like programming to the arsenal, so it opened up a lot of like uh, different projects that I, I, I could be included in. So uh, for example, kind of like decision making system, uh, decision support systems or like um, uh, automation and many other things. So, um, you know, and that uh, kind of like led to a monetary raise and a huge jump in my salary because like I went from like one category of like engineers that could only do calculation to um, one that could do the calculation and you know make uh, the system happen so um, yeah that uh, you know when when you upskill you 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 kind of like need to know exactly what you what um, you need a goal I would say like what do you see um, yourself 
uh, in where where you see yourself in after you learn this particular skill does it help you solve a problem does it improve efficiency so that's kind of like the things that go through went through my head when i decided to pick up programming myself so yeah so what i've learned from um this chat right is that i think um what's interesting right is that um when when i listen to your stories of upskilling it kind of really does show that if you look out for opportunities where there is a void now you will be able to find skill sets that's pretty much required in a market space right because like um what what it it has mentioned is that she really learned a lot of skills in terms of like being very vocal about her art and also uh she also learned a lot about the nft space and also learned how to build i think it one one thing i realized that you are basically learning right, that you are learning how to build a community yeah right and i think that itself is a very very valuable and marketable skill set in the next 10 years because i think like in the future of marketing uh, people need to know how to build communities because if you don't know how to do that you are going to be lost in the market space because that is what i'm currently learning in my business um that is if you don't have if you don't have that skills or learning how to build a community right then i think in the future your business is going to have a very hard time right and building communities means like also things on social media having a connection with your customers all these are pretty important in order for you to do a successful marketing campaign these days like i feel like it's not just a simple matter of now like throwing out flyers then hoping and praying that it hits like you now need to basically like tell stories and people need to like um have a connection before they are able to like scale their spending on you and for ryan right you also learn like programming right which is something which can be skilled and i think that is something which is very useful because i also took up programming myself i'm I'm not as good as you but i do really see like there's a lot of creativity aspect in terms of learning how to create things and actually it really does like uh showcase right that actually there are a lot of opportunities out there provided that you're willing to like you know go for it lah, which is why sometimes whenever like people always like reach out right then they do always ask questions like oh you know uh what can i do um, you know, what is it that I should be working on? I do realize, right, that it's actually not super rocket science to figure it out. It's just a question of you needing to sit down and writing down what is it that you enjoy doing? What is it that you think that you can enjoy doing? And then whether or not you can do it for hours on end. Um, And I think one thing that uh, I took away from egg, right, is that you can sit down and draw like four hours and get lost in it, right? I cannot do that. That's why I didn't pursue art. <laughs> but what I can do, yeah, I, I can't, I cannot do that. I, I, I did like three years in poly, I nearly died because it was really, really tough for me to like, to, to do it. Like, I really cannot do it. So, um, that, that, then I found my calling in life, which is I'm very good at reading financial statements, right? You can get lost in drawing. I can get lost in financial statements. I can literally sit down, right? And look and read financial statements for 12 hours straight and not get bored. I can look at numbers. I can look at balance sheet. I can look at revenue statement. I can analyze company. I can think about companies. I can think of it 24 seven. I won't get bored, right? But you ask me to look at real estate, I will get bored. So that's why I don't do it, <laughs> right? So that itself, right? Uh, that was actually like... Yeah, so so that was kind of my side hustle when I first started my business, right? I would always in because all these personal financial habits aside, I would basically do make make sure that I save a lot of money. Then from there, I would just use that money to get invest. Um, and that is sort of in a way, it's like my side hustle because what I realized quickly, right, is that the, my side hustle started to earn more than my actual business over time, right? So, um, I think that that in a way it really does show that like in terms of broadening opportunities, right? I think if you're able to focus on a skill set which does allow you to scale um without like the like upfront cost is very high like learning to program learning to build communities learning to invest upfront cost 
cost is very, very high. But after you learn that, right, then I think what will happen is that in terms of return on your time, the, the returns are pretty much exponential because the more you do it, the easier it becomes, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that, that actually like covers like our first half of this, like um, the, the things are, and I, I think what kind of want to dive a little bit into the NFT space um, because um, in our like, in, in this one year of running, right, uh, one year of running this, we kind of saw like the the NFT hype, then it crashed, right? Um, for you, when you were doing um your NFT um project, right? It, do you feel that um do you can you still remember like um the boom down Charlie during the NFT days, like um the hype? Uh, do you could do you do you still remember the hype um during that time? Mm, yes. Well, actually, because I what I'm doing is more of art, right? So, but I do have yes. friends from the I call it like the project based kind of PAP PFP projects, which is you know, uh, like uh, how do I say that? example of a PFP like doodles or cool cats that kind of thing, where there at that point of time when it was hype, right? You just launch any single, okay, this 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 one is not financial advice or like not not true. It's just something that I observe lah. Uh, you just launch any single kind of project, uh, 888 or like 5,555 monkeys on the internet. And then it will most probably do well. As long as you have a Discord channel, you have people addressing concerns, you know what they call like, they, they call them mods and all that. And then you have like communities to give off whitelisting or like, you know, to, to get people on board and all that. Uh, how they do that, I don't exactly know because I'm not, I'm not very, very in touch with that. But basically every mean is more or less easy to flip and make money la, from those people. La. So, um, but right now in the bear market, right, it's very hard. People are more selective, more conservative with what they spend their ETH on. They want to know like who exactly is the founder, what is he doing, what exactly is the roadmap. Not say last time, but last time because the DGENs have more uh, more courage uh, to aid into things that they don't know about. As long as can flip, can already. So that is... <laughs> you call that courage? <laughs> <laughs> hey, but what I have to say that I really... <laughs> I, I don't know, like, we respect their... <laughs> it's also a hustle, because, you know, you have to stay up, like, 12am, 1am, 4am, depending on what time the what time the, the other side of the world starts minting and all that. And then you have to grind for a white list. A lot of people, they, what they do is that they even active in the squad, then through there, they get roles, or they get, like, oh, because you're so active, you're, like, a valued community member, then they give you, like, um, a, a slot for white listing. And then, you, maybe usually white listing is, like, cheaper than public mint when we eventually when the mint goes out but uh i i don't know how it was back then because i've never once grinded but i do have friends who do that uh so so back then i would say that everybody it, it, it's basically like discord right it's like on steroids uh, every channel people are chatting people are asking people are hyping and uh you can every day right i would say there's like Oh, close to 100 is not right but but there's like 10 over like new projects or, or even more than that you just go to because there's this website there are a few websites that you can go to to see like new upcoming memes or what lah. so it's like the I don't know like uh, the Google of NFT because right now you can't Google and then you, you don't find anything right? you have to go to these places to look for them so that's what I learned and also because as you're if you're a founder yourself or part of the community or what right you can actually write into these websites and post that, oh, there's going to be this means my project, what is it about, and what you will get when it means out or something like that. And then uh, when people see that, they just judge for themselves whether they want to take part. Law. And then, of course, like the more prestigious websites, right, you have to pay to be featured there. Yeah. So that was like early, maybe mid-2021 when it was, you know, the hype of NFT. 
the, the height when uh, Justin Bieber bought $1.3 million in a bid. <laughs> BAYC, <laughs> I remember. Yeah. And now that BAYC is worth like 50000 so that's like a 95% drop. Yeah, so like, um, how, I, I think Ryan and I, we, we didn't really like uh, go into like this whole like NFT space, largely because I think it's pretty much out of our circle of competence. Lah. Um, that's why I, I kind of want to like uh, ask you because you were like a creator during this time, right? Do you feel that, um, but when you started creating in the NFT space, was it also, uh, did the hype attract you to it or you have always like started it because you just feel like um, that was something which you wanted to do and you just saw an avenue that um, just so happens um, the timing was right? Uh, I would say it just, so, yeah, my... just so happens the time was right. And the hype, uh, actually it scares me more than anything because this hype, right, they are, you have to understand that the NFT market, the people are not like art, art um, appreciators, uh, for, that, for lack of a better word. Uh. They, they don't buy a JPEG because it looks well, very aesthetic, uh, very proportionate, that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's not that. They buy it with the intent of being able to profit from it or being able to hold to get some benefits, you know, like, oh, maybe I go to this cafe, got free discount or whatever. Um, yeah. So the, the market is like that already. Then it, it scares you more. As a creator, it scares you, right? Because it will, it just puts like this added pressure on you. It's like, okay, on top of my art, right? I have to make sure that I deliver this kind of value. If not, people are just going to fuck me and just say like, I overpromise, underdeliver, And that's something that I don't want to get myself into. Lah. Yeah, uh, I remember because I think we had a conversation mm. about this, right? Then <laughs> I think you were lamenting like how some of these like projects, they just squig I think just scribble or squiggle, right? Then just because they are very good at marketing or they can sell like God, for God knows how many ETH. Then you were over there like painstakingly drawing each and every single like uh PFP, then like ah it's very tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think yeah, I mean I still remember that conversation. But that actually like taught me like um that that actually like gave a lot of insight about like uh you as a person, right? Because I feel like that from that conversation it kinda tells me that you're in it for the long run. Right, so it's not that's why um you're still doing it lah because I do feel that right now a lot of the trash has been flushed out um after after the spectacular crash lah right mm. um but of course um I mean what will remain is still the the fundamental structures in terms of how does the decentralization of um the uh, the decentralization of value lah, towards the creators lah. so like uh what does it feel like right now. Uh, because I think me and Ryan, we have limited like voice on this because we don't really like follow this market very hard, very much. But right now that things have quietened down significantly, right? Like in terms of your views of the NFT space, uh, what do you think? Do you think that the NFT space specifically, right? Uh, what is the future is going to be like? And do you think you'll get better from here? I, okay, I think like uh, maybe I just go a bit more broad view then I zoom in. Like from a crypto point of view, right? After you see what happens to FTX and all these things, then you do realize that the need for trustlessness, self-custody is becoming more important. And also in terms of decentralization, people people actually want it. It's just that um, I, I guess Sam has let us all down for the time being. <laughs> so... Um, in terms of NFTs, right, like right now is the bear market. It is true that a lot of people left, like they make their bags already, a lot of money, flip a lot of NFT, then it's already lah. Maybe right now they, they just go somewhere to do something else. I don't know, but a lot of artists are um, admittedly very discouraged and also like prices will, because, because also uh, crypto prices are very volatile. So the fact that we earn in ETH or earn in Tezos, other currencies or that, right? it also fluctuates. Then it's also like a dilemma, oh, oh should I up my pricing because you know, if it's worth less now? 
and it makes you think then when you see some art uprising and then they don't get the sale and then you'll be affected like oh so so this is how it works ah. then maybe I shouldn't then everybody one by one they start lowballing each other and then uh, so I think bear market right it, it's a very quiet time mm. there's less of um, there's less of like new projects coming up so like I was sharing earlier even for new projects people are more cautious people want to know the backgrounds people want to know whether can moon or not yeah, so I think I think the future will definitely still be bright. You know how they always say like when uh, it's tough times or when it's a bear market or what, right? You just continue to keep building, continue to keep doing what you do and also take this time to really study and reflect to see what the market really wants. Then when the bull market comes, right, I believe la, it'll be easier. La. It's also when COVID first hit, right? Me and my company, we also took this time to like, internalize everything. We do our website from a very web 2 point of view to reflect on what we should do, what kind of businesses we should take. And then, you know, really just plan for when, when um, after COVID. So right now, right now I, I, I took like, basically I took like what I learned in work, right? And I apply it to my own, to my own uh, side hustle. Or. Yeah, I think the whole point about like, um, during, especially when things are very quiet, this is really like one of the best times to build, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people, like they, they focus a lot on negativity and they always focus on things they can't control, but they actually forget that what they can control is basically like, uh, what can they do now? to make sure that they future-proof themselves. Which is why, like, it comes back down to this, like, whole podcast uh, thing. Uh, you know, you have to change before you are forced to change. And I think what uh, really, what, what people do realize through, like, um, this entire COVID debacle and also things like the crypto space and, like, whatever, right, is that if you wait for things to occur before you make a change, then you are eventually going to get burned, right? Because as we have learned over the past, like, three months, there have been a lot of massive layoffs inside the tech space, you know, um, Google, uh, basically all the fan companies are laying off uh, employees, like even Twitter is like cutting like 90% of their workforce um, because a uh, eccentric billionaire bought them over. Lah. So, um, you know, it really does showcase like, um, and then the, I think like the layoff is one thing, right? But what really like caught me by surprise, right, is the amount of comments that I read on uh, forums, uh, on basically on public spaces like Twitter. The, the comments are uh, that when I read read them, it really kind of tells me that um, that that level of entitlement that people have, that they need to have a very good work-life balance, to have a very good like work environment before they can actually work. It really does showcase uh, what type of talent <laughs> that, that, you know, that actually exists in the company. You know, that's why it warrants the 90%, 90% haircut, right? Mm. right? Correct? Because uh, if you actually go to Twitter right now, it's still running fine, right? Correct? No, it's not like, it's not like suddenly the whole website come crashing down. So they really last back with the question. Uh, it'll be very surprising, right? If after they let go this many people, uh, then actually the, the website actually does even better. That's something that's going to be very, very surprising. Then the question is, what were these people doing? So it really goes back down to like, um, like, um, I think like the work that you're doing, uh, in order to best future-proof yourself, I always feel is that, um, do you like, does your work like directly contribute towards uh, revenue generation? I always feel like this is always the, the, the cornerstone, cornerstone, like how much value does your work actually contribute towards the, the, the company's growth? You know, and that comes down to sales. Are you are you is your work like saving the, the company money, you know, versus what they're paying you? 
You know, if not, then you end up in a situation like Twitter, right, where they are burning like $1 billion on $400 lunches every day, you know, because 90% of the workforce want to come to work, but they still can't cater lunch anyway. Then they burn like four. Then if you go and do the numbers, I think you realize they're spending $400 US per lunch. <laughs> that's like 1,600 ring- That's like 1,600 ringgit for lunch, you know. That's like a ridiculous amount of money for like for one meal. La. I say it's cheaper <laughs> that you just give them food panda, food panda credit, right? Then they can go and order instead of catering lunch, right? So, um... I mean, it really does goes to show like, um, like, like, like future proofing yourself is about a lot about thinking about what is it that people will need in the future, then positioning yourself for it to get ready for it to happen. So, um, how about you, Ryan? Like, um, because I think for those of you who, who don't know, Ryan has also been like, I think upscaling over like, I think the past year or so, because um, he, I, one thing I like about Ryan and Egg is that both of them are very much like into the whole, um, you know, they are very proactive in terms of like learning new stuff, right? Because when like not many, like I think when you are inside the Instagram space, uh, you realize that the circle of people that you hang out with tends to be people who are very proactive in learning new yeah. things. Uh, but that was not the case for me. You know, before I started Instagram, uh, that was not the case for me, you know, because like when I mingle around with uh, my, 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 my circle back then, uh, I find that a lot of people are not very proactive in learning new stuff. It's just, it's just only, uh, I think as of late, when I started on Instagram, then I realized that my circle starts to become people who are very proactive in learning stuff, right? So how about you, Ryan? Because um, I have not given you a platform for a while, but like uh, for you, right? Um, like, I guess the question is, we can go on to the next one, is uh, what are you focusing on right now in terms of like to prepare yourself for the future? Oh, I guess um, for the last two years, right, since COVID, uh, there's been two things uh, aside from my job that I've been focused on. One is um, investing, of course. And then the other one is uh, programming. So uh, two things that I've been learning to uh, and trying to improve, uh, I would say. So uh, the programming is mostly for my work. So that I can, I can, uh, it opens doors for me. I know there's a lot of exciting things that um engineers can do when um you know they they couple their their knowledge on um the the their um their their specialization and you add that uh, you add automation to the workflow. You know that opens up a lot of doors for you. Uh, so it's been something I've been focusing since um twenty twenty when uh you know work from home was a thing and everyone had a lot of time to learn stuff from Coursera for free at home. And then um, the other thing, which is investing, uh, which is also exactly 2020, I was, uh, um, I started. Uh, and then now, as we all know, it's like bear market, stock market and crypto market, both bear. And, um, you know, I we, we can't say we didn't see this coming, uh, kind of, you know. And uh, for the last six months, what I've been doing is uh, I've been preparing myself so that I can take full advantage of this bear market. So it was kind of tough uh, for the first half of like the 2022, right? It was kind of like hard to believe that the whole bull market was over. Already. Uh, I was a bit in denial. Uh. I, I'm going to admit, come on and admit, say, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I was in a bit of a denial that the bull market was like over and then yeah it's hard to hard to kind of admit and then uh i stubbornly held on i should have like you know sold a bit so that i i um i'm able to cover for things that are happening in my life like you know um for a 27 year old guy you know i've just moved out from my parents for the first time so i think like you know that's a small achievement uh but from hindsight you know i should have sold a bit and then uh, sold, sold a bit and uh, held some cash to prepare for this event because 
for the last six months of my life, uh, it's been trying to get uh, my finances back on track because I did not prepare for this event at all. So um, I took a good look. I uh, the last for the for twenty twenty two, I had like a really good look at my personal finances, and you know, I went to town with like um reorganizing everything. So you know, that was kind of like uh, when I realized right. I also dodged a bullet because I didn't have cash flow to invest as much a day. So my DCA was like maybe uh once every two three months. So it was uh I could only buy when I had like really additional cash so i wasn't uh buying in as much so i kind of like for the for 2022 i kind of like dodged a bullet because it has been on a downtrend since uh end of 20, 2021 so um, uh kind of like blessed that way but um taking the opportunity you know um i'm i was i was uh like trying to get a raise at work because you know again i had uh i had now now that i can automate stuff and i can you know, make life easy for my colleagues by writing code. Um, you know, I went to negotiate with my boss so that I could get get a get a, a, a um some some arrangements at work so that I had like higher salary and um you know different. Uh, I can I can claim overtime depending on like whether I'm working for certain projects and or whatnot. And um you know and uh, just like working on myself and the foundations of my personal finances. Uh, so. It kind of like what we discussed in the uh some of our episodes, right? The my my mantra was basically to up my income and to reduce my spending. So that was kind of like uh what I was focused on for the last six months, and it was quite successful. So, um, in light of that, right, I would say that I'm almost ready to kind of like capitalize on the bear market. Um, starting from the starting from next year say so yeah that that's kind of like what i've been focused on and i uh, again you know crypto winter um uh, everything is kind of like cheap right so um instead of like focusing on like how um you know your your investment prices are kind of like down i would like to think of this as kind of like um an opportunity to start exploring more into the cryptoverse like i haven't really done nft so um you know uh, I'm looking forward to do a little bit of NFT in 2023 when um I I'm 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 more positioned like financially to to do investments. I think I think Ryan not yeah I think Ryan not the only one who thinks who was in denial because I am too and I'm also I mean honestly I'm also holding some bags that uh, I know are never gonna go up again lah. So yeah, <laughs> but but I I really uh like what you said that you're using this time to build up for what's coming up. Even though it's in a bear market, you have this opportunity to capitalize, lah. Like, yeah, I mean, like you kind of like just want to buy when everything is on a sale, right? Like twenty k per Bitcoin. We've I've never thought that we would see this price again, but here we are, sixteen k today. So, uh, yeah, it's it. Uh, I certainly want to take advantage of this. Mm, same. So, what? Uh, how? What about you? Uh, Ik, uh, what are you focusing on right now? Oh, so. For me, for me, what I'm focusing on is that uh, I mean, uh, of course, I'll still continue to draw. I'll still continue to build, and um, currently because because I had a few collapse or commissions, right? So I have to finish them <laughs> on a more technical aspect. And for me, um, focusing on uh, hmm. okay, so so remember just now earlier I shared about this thing called digital. So like how you are yeah. 
you, you should be able to bridge like physical and digital. Uh, of course, I'm nowhere near that. I'm still searching, still exploring like what fits. So actually, recently when I went to Bangkok for a short trip, right, I was like, hey, everybody's doing merch, doing t-shirts. They look very cool. Then I want to have a feel of what it's like if I were to do a dude verse on a t-shirt. So I just like randomly tried one, printed it. Mm, I like it, but you know, the, the, the feel is not there. The... the Mm-hmm. there's a lot of aspects uh-huh. to it that I consider like whether um, why would people care how is it relevant in people's life why would they want another black t-shirt with a dude verse and if it's a dude verse then which piece is is it I can't be using an existing piece I, I will have to create a new piece and then how uh, from a design aspect right how much you should should you scale it and then I did think that also because it's not uh, the, I, I don't know I, it, there's no math or science to it it's just the feel is not right and I feel that because Dubas at the at its essence, right, it's always like a universe, a whole big plethora of like shebang or whatever that's happening inside, right? So I wanted to make it to if I were to do a merge, I was thinking, okay, I wanna like go boom, bigger la. So I think like I I <laughs> I'm the kind that however I I'm a planner la, so I have an Excel sheet of like things that I can do that I have references of what it could look like. And then I thought about okay, the feasibility, finding vendors. So I started to source started to, to think like what I could do. So I think one idea that really stuck with me was a, a rug. And then right right now of all time, right, after SBF rug us and after 3AC rug everybody at one go, like, I wanted to do a rug. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, la, just do la. Then uh, try also I had to design. Of course, my rug will not just be a simple rug. It's going to be like a GM rug. So in, in, in I mean, in NFTs and in crypto, like they always say, uh, GM is just like when you wake up, you say GM or like every time of the day is GM, which is like good morning. La. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, I want to do a GM rap. So it's going to be like a miniature version of Dudeverse that I was also aware because I did talk to the supplier before that, like how actually how much can I squeeze in? And um, um, I think like the sample came in and I think total there's like 20 or 22 colors. So it's quite a feat. La. Even when the vendor got the the, the art file, right? He's like, what young? <laughs> that kind of like, okay, I'll try. Uh-huh. Then, uh, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm venturing into merch right now. So this will be my first one. And, and you know, dude versus a world, you want to be able to step into it. So that will be my angle about how you can step on it, step into it, that kind of thing. Lah, like a rug. But no, I don't mean to rug you, but yeah. <laughs> so literally, you're stepping into the dude. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can, and, and it's really soft. I really like it. Then, but my... <laughs> I don't think it's very cat friendly la. So for now they just having a very good time scratching on it, but it's still in good condition. So what I'm gonna do next is like take some photos and then next week I'll start to um yes, tease it a little bit and then see 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 how it goes though. Yeah, so that is on the physical side what I'm planning to do. And on the digital side, right, because uh yeah, I'm very into this metaverse thing. And I think the starting the launching pad is Decentraland now. So recently we have been, me and my husband has been on the central land attending like musical events, la, whatnot, collecting like freebies here and there. Sometimes they got like free clothes and all that. They can just yeah, get onto it. So I mean, it's really fun. And I think like we are trying to build something in there, trying to add value. We don't know what yet. It's, it's like a pet project. You just see where it goes. So that in that aspect, the digital one, and I think, I think somehow we can link the physical and the digital together, maybe launch something out of it or, you know, just showcase something, feature something. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. You can't. I, I think when listening to both of you, it kind of really tells me like the crypto space, the crypto space, uh, despite all this like 
rug pulls and all these like FTX crashes, I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. In fact, I think it's going to flourish as time passes. Because every single time when something like this happens, right, it always comes back stronger. Yeah, and also like right. industries and um, different people projects, right, they find new ways to do things. Like last time, because during the boom market, everybody could mean something and flip something. Not because yeah. flipping is bad or anything, but because there's a, a lot of these projects are plotted. It means that like, I say I'm a will or something, or like I'm, a, I'm a person who knows how to code. And then maybe I will just be able to mean a lot and then flip a lot and then like, you know, flaw the entire thing and then people will be like, eh, why so, why like crash or whatever. Okay, I, I don't know the specifics of how is this works exactly, but what I know is that because of this, right, people want to curate communities. So there's this thing called KYC Meta for projects. Then usually these projects are very hype. They have funding. They want to do a game and it's like legit. They have proof. They have teasers. They have like, they just, it, it's like a company, you know what I mean? They, they run it like it's going to launch they're going to launch like the best product in the whole world and then they you are only allowed into these projects if you have an invite code so KYC Mala they call it a lot of projects are run on this right now and then the invite code right you cannot get into the project it's just an invite code for you to apply for the project and then when you go into the website right you connect your wallet right there's a whole long list of 10 over questions of uh, why do you deserve to hold a project like, in different ways they ask you to introduce yourself tell you what's your age how, what kind of value you can bring what like yeah so I've, I've like tried to submit to a lot of this kind of KYC projects and we, we don't know how it's going to go. Like a few, very little of them have started minting it because it's still like a new trend, right? So what, actually what I'm trying to say is that when shit hits the fan, right, it's just very human nature. It's just, it's just a very natural thing for people to pivot and find new ways to uh, drum it up again. Yeah. That's why I find it also very exciting about crypto space and the NFT space. Like people are actively finding solutions for problems that arise one at a time. And that's what I really appreciate about like um, crypto in general. Because like, you know, um, it, it to me, it's kind of like proof of concept that it will not die. Like, you know? Because like, you know, you, you got like stuff like this, shit hits the fan, FTX goes down. And then, you know, what God knows what's going to come next, right? But then, you know, uh, Bitcoin is still here. It, it's, it's still here, you know, and people are still working on projects, finding new ways to implement um, all this. And... And if anything, right, I would say like um just trying to be positive, you know, like all this crypto crash, crypto winter, in a way it's good because it flushes away all the noise and nonsense yeah, yeah. from from the, the market. Right? Because like like let's say like art, right? Like, I truly appreciate like artists like you are where you know you're trying to tell a story and then um you you think about like um the the commercial aspect where you know there's like um future projects going on so it's not just like after i buy a picture of a monkey and then that's yeah, it yeah i think the, the the thing about nft space is that artists are no longer just artists they are forced to pivot to add value in some way or the other and and like to, yeah it's very i mean very honestly one person doing marketing plus art is very tiring but to me, I just cannot stop thinking about it. You wake up every day, you're just very excited to get to it. So I think like that's a very positive change. And uh, yeah, lo, so, so back to the question, the future is kind of bright, la, in my opinion. There's a lot of value that can be dreamed of. And, and I'm, just, I'm just one artist. There are probably tens of thousands of other artists who are also thinking the same way, trying to add value, trying to be more creative with how they sell their work or what they do online. So yeah, very exciting. <laughs> and, then, and then I also want to add, right, that... You know, during bull market, right, there's a lot of these rugs and a lot of like scammers. They are hard at work. They actually like are paid people to scam you, to make an effort, to be creative in the way they talk to you. And in I, I was very shocked that, no, actually I'm not very shocked, but 
Like, oh, okay, boom, uh, bear market, maybe there'll be less of these scammers. But no, leh, they are even more creative right now, you know. They're going to tell you so many different kind of stunts, uh, even get your trust, right? Then ask you to open this link, uh, then from there they rug you, like drain your wallet until you cannot drain. Then if they are like hard at work during the bear market, right, all the more we need to up our game. Right, I mean, that's just my train of thought like, as to like how I keep myself going. Uh. These motherfuckers, <laughs> they don't stop, we cannot stop. <laughs> Wait, you mean like all these scams, uh, it's still happening despite the, the state of the market? Yeah, yeah. It's, every day I get like two to five of these. Of course, I'm not very, I'm, I'm not like super popular 10k followers, but I'm sure if you are a will or a 10k followers, you get even more of these ones. It's, it's very, it's crazy one. Oh. One day, I sh- if I can, I show you my DMs. Uh. All the things that come in, uh, you just, <laughs> oh, very creative. Uh. First, tell you the mother died. Uh. Then after that, tell you uh, I'm a university student. Then tell you that I'm building a new game. Uh, oh, I'm very interested in your art. Can you like uh, sell me this? Oh, you want to trade or uh, uh, give you like opportunities for mod in projects or tell you uh, 101 kind of... Uh, but basically anything that they send to you, right? Just like if, if you guys, listeners new out there who are listening, please do not click on the link. No matter how pretty the person looks, it's a scam. <laughs> oh, thanks for sharing that, yeah. man. <laughs> I Usually I delete them. Right? Then sometimes they say ridiculous thing. You just uh, come on. <laughs> Try hard. Yeah. But despite all this, right, I see I see this NFT, uh, like, it's a proof of concept for, to, to uh, kind of like a bridge uh, for artists to get paid in some sense. You know? Like, like let's say, like, um, uh, for you, right, when you do, uh, just throwing out a few questions, uh, when you sell the NFT and people resell it, do you get a royalty out uh, of yeah. that? Yeah, so for OpenSea, you can set your own royalty if you, like, oh, I want to get 2% or I want to get 5%. And I think the max is 10 then uh, that's fine. Then for projects also, they have royalties. Because how projects work for PFPs, right, uh, what I know is that after the first bin, it sells out, right? Then they get this capital to be able to, to build what they promise that they will build. Like if it's a game or it's a comic or manga or whatever. Lah. Then uh, royalties are actually the way that keeps them going. It's like income for them. So it's very important that artists or projects get royalties, in my opinion. And for another platform that are on foundation, it's also the same. But that one is like fixed. 10%. So when you get a resale, you get 10% of the profits. But of course, the platform also takes a cut. So, I don't know, jia jia jian jian is like, there's, there's some deduction. You don't get, it's not like super glorious amount, but uh, it's just the way they work. Lor. And I mean, platforms have to make money also. So I understand. Now. Well, it's still but better I think than the prior, though. right? Mm-hmm. It's still better than the prior yes, system, yes, yes. right? Yeah. Because the prior system, you guys were basically just doing stuff for free and putting it on Instagram for free. Uh, yeah, then people read. Worse than scam. Yeah, then people read. Yeah, so you know, like it's... Instagram is such a bad way to to monetize stuff, you know. Like whoever makes money from from Instagram, nobody can now. You start rich, though. You start rich, then you end up with a small fortune. <laughs> <laughs> you can make money on Instagram, but you must start as a very rich person. Then you become a slightly richer person, <laughs> slightly uh, oh, not so rich person. Rich. Yeah, so you start with a big fortune, then you 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 end up with a small fortune. That's how you make a small fortune <laughs> on Instagram. Oh my god. <laughs> But Let me put it I, this way. Uh, Instagram is very good to nurture audiences provided you already have a pl- platform and product to sell. So, you know, like, um, I give an example. Uh, you know how much, like, these content creators or OnlyFans make? Oh, yeah, up to millions. Uh. I won't be surprised. Yeah. You know how much they make a lot, like like the OnlyFans, like the creators there, uh, compared to like like uh traditional like uh porn, like uh, call them like uh, traditional porn st- the porn industry, uh, uh, tra- uh a a person in OnlyFans are the top creators, right? One week they can earn up to seven digit uh figure Ooh. in US dollar in one week. Wow, and here 
they're to earning about one work, work so hard <laughs> to design one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so so like um, so that's the amount that they're earning uh, compared to back then, right? If you're talking about the porn industry, right? I think a poor girl, uh, I mean like si bit chala la, cannot abuse to death. Uh, I think it would be lucky if one year she can break two hundred fifty k. Yeah, Terrible, it's, it's really right? uh, yeah, it's it's horrible. Like the amount, and then actually they go back penniless uh, because they have to spend a lot on on upkeep. So like basically this I mean this I mean this is like to, to me when I look at it, so the internet has basically just gone back to the original use of the internet, lah, which is like 60% porn. So <laughs> I mean like it's a bit of it's a bit of an irony, right? But then it really does showcase like, how much money is out there provided you can build an audience. Because um I mean it really does showcase like um you know the 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 money, the way that the money incentive systems are changing, provided that you kind of like position yourself uh correctly, right? So um and I think that that really goes on to the 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 next question now because it's like a lot of people, right? They always um you know this whole point about upskilling is something which people want to do, but sometimes we always ask like, how yeah. do we do it? Because that's that's the, the the execution part is the question, right? So maybe, um, you know, all of you can share. Uh, both of you can share like how do you do it? Maybe for for it, would you like to share like um what avenues or resources that you use uh, to actually help you speed up your learning curve in terms of uh learning how to um learning how to create a community well um, for me right I I use okay so when I first started I was on Instagram and I realised that yeah we were we were getting lots of followers and everything but um, there is like oh I like your photo and then I talk to you like oh that's nice shake hand and then that's about it but then after that every I mean because Instagram then I'm added to like a lot of chat groups in Instagram where they are all artists. So every time we have a new launch or a new drop, uh, we we try to support each other. Like you can share your you can share your posts and then people will like and share and everything. That's how you get the word around. And then um after that like you know people grow right people find new ways to like okay discover new things and then we we are like okay and I think the whole the whole um the whole gang is in Twitter. Twitter is the place to be. Then that's how like I decided that okay I need to to upskill even more and try to like open Twitter. So that's how and that, that's how I got like, really really into it. On Twitter you find new things, new people, new communities and also uh you every day right I'm stuck online like at least two hours of surfing and learning what people are doing. So when I like a particular artist or a person or art, right, I will look at um I know I like some stalker lah, but I will look at his sales, I look at how he speaks and then if I like what he says or if I find that his particular tweet will add value to me, uh I will bookmark it. Or I will, you know, just just like have a mental note of what possible ways that you can you can do for your own for your own self. But of course make it your own copy lah because people will know outright that you will copy. So that's how I started. Twitter is a Twitter is a very good place to learn, but there are also a lot of shit posters and also a lot of scams. So uh, you have to track very carefully. And um, the other thing is also be part of community. So recently, I I actually I was I've been very fortunate that I won a <laughs> I want to share this. Uh, I won, I won I went to Comex this fair and then I won a kaiju. So Kaiju is like a PFP project that is super high. Uh, it's not a local one, but it's just that the Singapore community is very strong, very close knit, and we have our own Telegram group lah. So when I when I got in the Telegram group, right, like that's where you find people, friends, and also before that, I'm also part of other communities, other different Telegram groups. Just get added to it lah, and also and also I'm also like a community manager for SG NFT creators. So that's where we have our pool of artists where we. 
you know, can exchange their ideas, tell them how to, what not, this kind of things. So, um, so advice to anyone who want to upskill, you really, really have to be very open-minded, talk to people and go from there. there. There is no like one fixed path. Oh, you buy this book, right? Dummy's Guide to How to Upskill, right? Then you, you, you get it. But no, lah, there's no such thing. <laughs> I like that because that sounds like the real estate uh, ads you see on YouTube, right? Would you like to have no money down and own 500 properties around the world? If I can do it, you can do it too. <laughs> yes, I will teach you how to be rich. <laughs> I will teach you how to be rich <laughs> with no money down and no income. You know, so like, actually I really like that a lot. Like, like um, it, it really goes back to like relationships and like how you uh, best like uh, make friends, right? It, essentially, like I think end of the day, um, your relationships uh, with people around you does kind of influence like your life, I feel. Um, so it's, I, I guess like um, apart from upscaling, right? I guess uh, it's also important people also, uh, network effectively. Right, mm. because I think that's a skill set that many people like neglect. Because there's no, in my opinion, uh, there's no point being the best artist, best engineer, best programmer in the world if you cannot network. Right, almost every yeah, single successful true. person, uh, almost every single successful person, uh, I've ever met, uh, they might be super introverted, right, but they know how to network effectively. Right, they they know people in their space. Uh. if you're very good at what you you do, right, you generally are quite known inside your small circle of community. Yeah, that that's what I kind of learn. Um, when I meet like uh people who are successful in their field, is that they know how to network with within their field. And to, so sorry, and um, also to I, add on, right, when you have your own community, and you are not one person shouting and talking about your art. There's this. I mean, in Web two, we call it UGC, user generated content, where people start to tweet about it, talk about it. They 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 like they just vouch for you, law. So it's a very like when you say community driven, right? This is some of the things that you should aim to be, lah. Of course, don't get cancelled. <laughs> yeah. And it's also not overnight, yeah, yeah, right? Not overnight, it's definitely. not an overnight. Like, yeah, it definitely takes a lot of like, uh, sometimes in the middle of the night, you're wondering why are you doing this? Um, <laughs> yeah. <la. laughs> I think all of us <laughs> content creators, we do. <laughs> yeah, we definitely go through that. La, I'm pretty sure. Like, uh, how about you, Ryan? Like, uh, I mean, how would you advise anyone who wants to like start programming? Where should they start? and resources you can share? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, for programming, right? You, for me, I had, like, a very clear vision of what I wanted to achieve. Uh. So, it was a small and menial task. It's basically just data uh, format conversion, but it's kind of, like, a pain to, to do it using software because I have to open two different softwares to do it at that point in time. So, um, you know, um. I, I found certain aspects in my like workflow to be very painful and I wanted to change that. So that's where I kind of like sit, sat down and say, okay, look, I have this problem and they are going, uh, and, and I, I knew that, um, you know, working with like, um, GIS and like, um, hydraulic modeling. So there's going to be a lot of like things that will require certain data science related skills and also programming skills. So from there, I picked up a language, which uh, the most popular one is mm. Python. So I went with Python and then um, started to learn. And when you, when you fix the problem already, then you will start to um, think, how can I make this faster or uh, more convenient? And then that's where, you know, I start to learn about um, automating, automation, scheduling certain tasks. And then, um, you know, and um, when it does something, it generates an email to prompt or like a, 
like a telegram message to tell you, okay, this has been done. So yeah, you know, that 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 was kind of like the 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 chain of thought. So I don't I didn't really like how would I put it? It's kind of like a progressive thing. You know, I had a problem to solve. And then down the road, um I wanted to make my solution better, faster, more efficient. Cheap if it uh not to say like it's not cheap because uh, like everything I use is free, uh, so <laughs> Anyway, but um, if for anyone who wants to kind of like learn uh programming, right, I would say like you need to have a problem you need to solve. Uh. Not necessarily, but like some people can go to school to learn programming. But I find it much much more efficient when you have a problem to solve. Cause like I took also took um the route where I tried to learn certain programming languages without a an end goal. So um and and um. Let's just say I didn't really get quite to it. And then um, it didn't really happen until I wanted to um, fix something in my in my day job. But uh, again, you know, like um, now, like right now, right, I'm interested in like uh, NFTs, you know, uh, and, and, and um, all this and trying to take advantage of the bear market. I'm trying to learn solidity as well so that, you know, I, I have like a clear picture on like how all these things are done. And then when, you know, time comes, you know, maybe like uh, I can, you know, collab with someone and then we can start our own line of NFT. So that's kind of like what I'm thinking for the future when I'm thinking about like programming in crypto together. So yeah, kind of like have to have a goal in mind. It's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, I like, yeah, I like it is, how both it is. of you mentioned it, man. Like, um, I think I like how both of you mentioned the end of the day goes back to your goals. Like, um, I find that if you have a very clear goal of what you want to do um, in terms of like, you know, at least like what of next, like don't have to be 10, uh, maybe 10 is a bit too long, maybe at yeah. least in a one, two or five years time horizon, right? Then you naturally you will start to realize that um, if you just, you don't even need to search hard, uh, just go to Google, right? Then you just like key in like, um, if you kind of want to, you kind of feel like you want to like switch careers, right? Then a good place to go would be places like Glassdoor, you know, a lot of this information is publicly available where you can at least get a rough idea monetarily. How are they compensated? What are the best companies to work for? Then it's not even very difficult for you to reach out to people who are already working in a company or on LinkedIn, right? Or even on Twitter, you know, you can even like have a conversation with the CEO of a certain exchange, right? Um, like for me, um, sometimes when I comment on things on Twitter, right? I, can, I actually commented on a, on a tweet on the CEO of mm. Kraken and then he actually like, kind of like like my tweet so i kind of knows that you know the the barriers to entry in like communicating with like ceos of even very big companies uh, is so much easier right now that you can actually just reply to a tweet uh. actually they gave you like three seconds of the time right to actually like like communicate with you so i think the 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 world has now kind of shifted and pivoted to a to era right where i think if you are actively putting yourself out there actively searching how to upskill and actively learning I would say the key thing is that you need to actively, progressively, always, every day, right? Try to get better at something. You know, eventually over time, uh, all these compounded effects uh, makes you into a very valuable person, right? Because my mantra in life is that if I go too many days uh, where I feel like I'm not progressing somewhere in my life, I kind of feel like I'm stuck. You know, then I won't be happy lah because 
um, my observation is that people who generally always look for new things to learn, uh, generally they're quite happy people because they know they're progressing. You know, so um, that's what I kind of notice um, in my career and my business, la, right? Uh, High-functioning people, people who are always very like driven. La. The reason why they're that is because every day they are, they are disciplined enough to get better every day. And it might not necessarily be in your own job. It might, necess- it might be in some other area uh, that starts out as a hobby. Then that hobby slowly turns into opportunity, right? And then the, the, the difficult part is to basically just keep on track to do it progressively every day because that's the tough part. La. So, um. I hope that this this first half of the the episode does help like put things into perspective in terms of like crypto upskilling and then also we have like success stories from both Ig and Ryan themselves because both of them have successfully uh, successfully uh, successfully upskilled themselves to open up doors and opportunities in terms of monetarily in terms of relationships to actually like give you motivate you know some of our listeners out there to actually like um take some action on themselves lah because um you know what I've also what I've learned. Uh, listening to both of them, right, is that it is never too late to start, right? It's it's not the case, uh, whereby whatever you learn in school, right, uh, actually determines like what you're going to do in the future. You know, you can always successfully pivot and change, uh, your future depending on what you do today and what you intend to do. It's just a question of whether or not you want to do it. And I think the the thing that really, um, what what Cat says, right, uh, sorry, what uh, Egg says very successfully successfully, uh, is to don't talk so much, start building build and don't talk because I, I feel that is a very key um mantra that successful people actually do is that every day when they wake up they always ask what can I do right now to make things better rather than wait for instruction so if you have that type of like um, proactiveness uh, to start getting better then I think over time you know um you know not everybody can be super successful by 30 you know but i would say that given yourself enough time given enough patience most people should be able to succeed in life in their own objective because everybody has the same amount of time right so uh, hopefully that has been helpful and we should actually go to the next Q&A because it's going to hit three hours soon. So um, basically this Q&A was submitted over the course of one week and I think there are certain good questions which we have that we'll try to address. Uh, the first question is um, uh, by, a, by a follower and is, do I skate to where the park is even though it's not my natural advantage or do I find my or do I find my own natural advantage so I guess um, this is just a question of like um, you can see that this business is going to like grow big in the next five years right but then you kind of have a sense uh, that this is not your natural advantage and the question is can you go to somewhere else that is towards your natural advantage correct so um, I think maybe I can ask uh, Ryan this how do you feel about this question I think we we did cover this in our careers episode, lah. But like, let's say, um, you know, for me, I'm an engineer that has uh that has like really nothing to do with crypto. But um, I'm also still going to crypto because, but because like I think like uh in, in any industry, right, there will be a position where um in the whole chain, uh, you know, there's going to be a position where um it suits your 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 uh skill sets, and um you just have to look hard enough because like you know not um uh, i won't say like maybe okay maybe like as an engineer you can't draw like me i can't draw so i cannot do i cannot do nft but like i can what i can do is i can learn how to do solidity which is like the programming side of things and then i work with an artist so you know um it's not uh it's not whether um it's not whether like 
natural advantage or not. It's just whether um you can you can kind of like find a position where it plays to your advantage. So I think I believe in any industry, uh, you can you can find a position that 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 will play to your strengths. Yeah, this one I agree. Especially almost every single industry have pretty much the same value chain, right? Like the same production pipeline chain. Yeah. Uh, like what. Uh, X, you were mentioning about how like your work, right? You're able to apply the production pipeline you learn from work into your own NFT project. Yeah. Yeah. So like um, okay, maybe we can go to the the next one. Um, maybe for X, would you like to talk about like uh whether or not you have prioritized any skill sets when you decided to upskill? Oh, okay. So um, so when when we talk about design, my day job, right? It there are also a lot of aspects to it. You know, there's illustrations, there is like photo manipulation, there's like typography, there is even even down like illustrations, there's even like a whole different funnel or my map of like different genres kind of thing. So when you say, how do I prioritize what type of skill? I think it's also, it's also a lot of self-reflection needed. Like you, you need to know what you can do, right? That you won't burn out from or not burn out fast enough from and what do you like enough la it's like it's like picking the picking the, the the better of the options that you have in your hands right now and for me i it is just a very natural thing okay i don't know whether it's fortunate or what but it's just like all along i always knew that i can draw i like to draw my mother always entered me for those like art competition when I was young right? they will always win stuff one so that's where my childhood is like they just plong me there a few hours then they go pato then I'll be like, oh, okay, I want color pencil on, on like, one, like, what do you call it, that NTUC voucher kind of thing, then better lor. <laughs> so I think when you say, <laughs> what, do you, what do I prioritize on upskill, it's just really finding your niche. It is not very uh, natural for people to find it at first time. So actually, actually I also want to add on to the first point uh, about the first question previously, is that no one really gets it right the first time and it's okay. Just got to keep finding. And then it, the other thing is that you have to like it enough to want to continue it. Uh, this, this brings back memories of why I pivoted away from design. Because um, I think when I went inside design, right, it really just wasn't my natural advantage. Um, Not to say that I didn't enjoy it i kind of i i really enjoyed my three years over there and it definitely does help because um my design background allowed me to use software like canva mm. software like premiere pro then um you know i can actually like do up the entire production pipeline because my final year project for uh my diploma was basically to create a four minute animation short right so i went from pre-production to full full-blown like four minute production animation like short lah. so i know how to create from scratch uh, um an entire short film so it really taught me a lot of very useful skills, which actually, um, you know, taught me the art of storytelling, taught me the art of the importance of storyboarding. And all these are very translatable towards like um, skill sets, uh, which uh, um, not to say I don't enjoy it, but uh, I know it's not my natural advantage. But it kind of really helps to transit towards storytelling when I do actually my business because um, the production pipeline, all this does not change. Right, so um, when I prioritize like upscaling, right, uh, generally what I like to look for are things that the market is uh, requiring right now. Like uh, usually when I look at um, the market, right, let's say for example, the market requires a solution to a particular problem, like, right? or when a client looks for a, uh, does, does usually what I like to do is like, <clears throat> instead of build, building from scratch a, a product, right, I usually like to wait for the problem to come. I go and look at source of problems because I think, um, that to me is very cost efficient, right? So instead of like creating a solution that nobody wants, uh, I go and actively look up for 
problems first, then create a solution for that problem. Because that actually lowers my cost of like uh, getting the production out. Lah. Well, that's, that's like waiting for the opportunity to knock on your doorstep, so to speak, right? No, but you can kind of look for the opportunities. So I don't exactly wait for opportunities. I kind of actively go out and look for problems. Like I always like observe, uh, I'll mm. meet up people. Then usually I'll always ask, lah, I say, what? Uh, what is one issue that you have that you know you wish can be solved? Because because the world has infinite problems, right? We will never run out of problems for people for the world to solve. So I always think that opportunities are pretty much infinite because there's infinite number of problems that people have day to day, right? So when I start from this uh, point, right, then I start to realize that when you ask that question of uh, what problems to solve, then you have a lot of opportunity. The question is whether or not. Uh, the problem that you that you look at, right, can be solved with your existing skill set or is it a skill set that you need to acquire to solve it effectively? Because certain problems I cannot solve, lah, you know, like certain problems like um, I have no interest in science, I cannot be a doctor, right? Obviously, I can't, right? It's not like I'm going to like suddenly overnight, even I put in the effort, I'm not going to be a doctor because uh, the, my experience in design taught me I need to put in five times as much effort uh, to match someone like you, Ake, because you naturally love it, to love to do that. So for me to match your level of like uh, execution, I need to put in five times the effort, right? So obviously, um, um, it's not my natural advantage. Lah. So instead, I know that my natural advantage is numbers. So I can spend like um, eight hours on something and then get it and then some other person might look at it, right? And then spend like uh, three days on it then it's going to be very tough for them. So um, that's what I learned to prioritize. Lah. I look for problems, uh, ask them what is the problem they have and then see whether or not I can solve it. Yeah, so that's what I typically do when I'm trying to upskill. Um, instead of creating the solution, you know, from the get-go, I like to go and do a little bit of uh, digging to see whether or not it's something that's actually required. Yeah, so so in that in that aspect, it kind of saves me a lot of time and money and effort. Lah. But obviously, you know, what I have in my natural advantage is that uh, because I am self-employed, right, I meet a lot of people from many, many different types of career paths and walks of life. I kind of have a very good feel of like um, what a person's like career path trajectory is like because I've been doing it for so long already, like pretty much like can sort of sense, have a good sense of like uh, what the career path is like, you know, in many different sectors, right? So it really does help in terms of like communicating with people. Lah. So um, I think this also brings, leads us to a next question, like, like how do I gain, I think this one is quite specific. Uh, how do I gain crypto or web tree skills for relevant jobs? Um, Okay, I think this one, uh, maybe, Egg, would you like to answer this? Oh, okay, cool. Uh, how do I gain crypto web tree skills? I, I think we just keep it web tree gen- generally. So for me, it's yeah. like art, right? So you're an artist, you can you can create content. And for some people, if you, I mean, like there's, there are also opportunities for writers because, you know, you know, projects, they they need content, they need people to write. And some, sometimes like projects, they have like uh, this thing called uh, law. So there are, there's like a story plot to it and so on and so forth. Then there's also, there's, there's a space for you to get in. Uh. Then also like when, from a marketing point of view, uh, if you're in marketing, there are also opportunities for, for doing marketing. Yeah, not really like marketing, but it's more like project mods and project mods and community managers where you know actively try to uh, follow through with what was uh, uh, communications wise and then what was promised on the roadmap and you know you communicate this to people lah. So uh, it, it's not really just oh, only art, but there are all these other soft skills aspects that you can utilize. If you have that skill, you know you can utilize it in tree. And also, um, I, crypto side, I'm not really very attuned with, but I you know there's like the 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 roles like you have to talk to investor that kind, talk to VC. Then there are, let's say you work in a 
exchange or something, uh, not exchange, but like a, um, like an NFT platform or, or you you doing an ICO coin. I, I, I'm do, I don't really know how, 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 how to speak for that on that aspect. Lah. But I mean, generally, Web3s, there are really, really different roles that you can pick up. Oh yes, yes, and as so you're a writer, right? You can also create content. I like can write articles and get paid. You know summaries. So actually, very funny. Um, uh, Ryan, you you also do like summaries of what you learned and all that, right? So a lot of people in the NFT scenes, they are they not a lot, but a handful of them I know. They they do that. They study about a project, then they like they churn out summaries into a a tweet, a, a page, or you know it could just be a thread on Twitter, and and people actually follow these people because they got valuable insights that. They want to learn uh, or you know like wow so many um so so many uh pages to read through the white paper or whatever or like there's so many um different channels that you go to get all your alpha right but this guy just summarizes it into one pdf or like one page with graphics and you obviously you go to him and you read about it it's like oh okay then maybe that's worth investing you can the 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 and decent for himself oh. so uh yeah it's something maybe might be up your alley if you're interested yeah i'm definitely interested in doing that it's kind of like uh you know, a bit like influencer kind of stuff, right? So you kind of like look through what's on the project. Mm-hmm. Like maybe even for stock market, it's kind of the same thing where, you know, they do a review of the company and then they think whether it's like worth investing or not, that kind of yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, but it's like bites, right? I must say Twitter. Oh. Yeah, I must say, yeah, I would say that um that belongs to a space. Uh, you are solving a problem of yeah. time, right? You are basically trying to save people's time. So in a way, that is a product which you create uh, to save people time. So if when you have that, then when you put it out there, you are solving a problem because it's like, if I'm less, like I'm a C-suite executive, I don't want to be spending like three days of my time uh, running through what is happening. Just give me the highlights, right? <laughs> I, I, then then basically my, my question is, can I have a highlights and can I get it from a credible source, right? And the beautiful thing about Twitter is that uh, if you basically just follow a few, like uh, pretty much you already like vetted your own Twitter follow list, right? And this follower list, right, if they retweet an unknown account, I, you pretty much know that it has already been vetted through by the people that you follow. So I think that's one of the beautiful things about Twitter, right? Is that not only uh, can your tweet go viral and be recognized, is that no moment someone retweets your tweets, right? It basically becomes like a network effect on that tweet. Lah, so that you basically get a social proof by, let's say, um, by another... C-suite executive who likes your tweet, then they retweet it. Because essentially, that's exactly what happened to my uh, tweet. Because I've been trying to use Twitter in the past two weeks. Uh, then I realized that the algorithm for Twitter has actually become significantly better. Because uh, I do realize that my tweets are actually gaining traction right now. Um, which would not necessarily have been the case, I think, last year. Lah. So I don't know why uh, this is happening. But uh, I am seeing some level of success in Twitter when I tweet out stuff now compared to last year. So I think uh, maybe the change in the Twitter management has something to do with it. Lah. So um, so in this particular case, right, I also like to add, lah, uh, because I came from the design space uh, more than a decade ago, I can say that uh, when a lot of my peers went to the design, right, I can say that a lot of them were struggling financially um, because I think a lot of the jobs back then was not something which was... Uh, significantly enough for them to make uh, enough money to live a good life. Lah. But I think as of late, because of this boom in the metaverse in terms of crypto, Web3, right, I realized that a lot of my peers who actually stayed inside the design space, actually right now they pivoted quite successfully inside Web3 and a crypto. And I think what kept them going uh, and then allowed them to pivot successfully is because initially when they started inside this particular path, they were not motivated by money per se. They were motivated by their passion and their love for the craft. 
right? Uh, like I, I like when when Ig mentioned about her ability to sit down and draw for eight hours, and then uh don't have to worry about anything. It really brings back memories uh, as to why I quit, <laughs> why I quit this time because I couldn't do it. Uh, like like for me to finish like like. Um, you know, like for me to like draw a sketch, uh, like live drawing, uh, it can take me like God knows at least four hours to feel that. And then when I look at my <laughs> friend now uh, who's like naturally like uh, loving to do that, she can do it in less than 15 minutes. I tell myself, okay, I cannot, I'm in the wrong field. Like I really, really cannot. So uh, I think thankfully I did that because I realized that my strength is that I'm able to write uh, very super long form articles in less than half an hour. So I think in every single person's like, uh, as what Ryan says, uh, going back to this point, how do I gain crypto and Web3 skills for relevant jobs, right? I think you just need to realize that in every single field that you go to, uh, there is always the content creation field and there's the organization organizational field. So you need you kind of need to understand now uh, which part of the value chain you're good at because there are certain people who are better in organization and certain people who are better in the content creation side of things. So if you're naturally a creative side of side of things right then naturally you might be better inside the, the content creation marketing type of things but if you're a person who is better very much better at organization meaning you do operational stuff right usually if every single big company or crypto space or whatever project that is they will need a person who is operational driven and operational driven now if you're a very good operational guy you don't need to learn the skills before you enter one because if you're a very good operational guy right usually uh, people go in with the inkling that they need to pick up new skills mm. anyway because they're very yeah. adaptable, uh, you know. Like I don't really foresee like 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 to to me, even if you switch job, even if it's within the same field, I don't really believe in the mantra that you know your past experience is like super like um super tr- um like super immediately transferable. You there still needs to be a level of a certain amount of time where you need to adjust and adapt to the new working environment and then you pick up the skill from there. Uh. So I think um I think a lot of people should stop focusing on what um they think that the job needs and start focusing on what the job really needs. Because if you're able to focus on that, right, then basically you just need to be a person who's very adaptable. You need to be able to adapt to the requirements instead of basically listening to people who yeah, only exactly. know how to talk. And then the other way of saying it is like, you need to think what value you can bring to a job. Because I know like once before I asked my boss, like when will I be able to earn 10K? La? That time I was very young, so we talked casually like that. Then he's like, you want 10K, Ken? You think about what value you can bring that will bring you, that will, that will allow you to earn 10K law. Because... I mean, it's true, right? You cannot just go in and, and yeah, expect like to be paid in Web3 or to be paid in what just because you have a particular, particular skill, that, skill that fits nowhere. So actually, a lot of my uh, NFT friends, right, what I know is that they don't just commit to one job. There's like different, it's like how we have a full-time job and then inside a full-time job, there's like different projects. You're managing different projects at a go. So a uh, few of them, they do that. They manage and they are into different communities managing them or you know sometimes they're artists for this or like they are a developer for something else and all that then uh, it's just like this little little things they add up and and also uh, this one is what my friend told me like, like you should be try all these little little things right and then from there you find like what is your real interest what do you think that you can add value to and what you can grow with law in this space so actually there's no shortcut it's really just dive dive in put your two feet into the water and then learn from there just experiment yeah I agree uh, everyone is a 10-year overnight success. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it takes 10 years. <laughs> yeah, like really, uh, this this really goes back to like uh, end of the day when you, like if you want to earn a certain amount of income, then you must be bringing that level of value towards mm. people, right? If not, 
uh, you risk you, the the biggest risk is that you, your company gets bought over by a billionaire, then you get fired. Ninety percent of your friends get, lose their yeah, jobs. Exactly. So anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so the next one is uh, I guess like how does NFT stand in this booming market? It's a bit of an interesting question because I'm not sure whether or not NFT is still a booming market. Um, I mean maybe I can ask you, like, do you still think that um? Like, I guess there's two ways to look at it, right? Um, as an investor and as a creator, mm. because I I think you you represent the creator more than the investor part. Do you feel that um this thing is still the best option compared to other alternatives that you have as a creator? I was once told that there are a million ways to make money, lah, and your day job is just one of it. And if I were to translate it into this space. There are thousands of ways to make money. NFTs are just one of it. So, I mean, that's, that was why I also started to also like explore different areas like besides the art, right? Be able to do merch and also aside from, from NFTs, be able to do like commissions and then getting paid in. Yeah, you know, you have like like normal freelance uh, commissions and all that. So, um, um, actually, I don't have the answer whether it stands in this booming market, but Creators like us, right, we will still continue to create. It's just the medium. We don't know whether it will change lah, or whether, you know, next time maybe I will start to take my own initiative, learn new things, meet on my own contract, that kind of thing, and don't rely on platforms just because I want it like, I, I want it to be a truly NFT, truly a creator's kind of route. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, learning how to be very adaptable, yeah. right? Because that's also one thing I noticed. Uh, a lot of my friends who's been inside uh the space for a long time, right? They always um sometimes I do meet up with them. Then I ask them, so what has changed? They say, you know, Aaron, the fundamental skills of design and animation and whatnot that has not changed. The only thing that has changed is the medium. So color theory, things like the fundamental skills, your eye for design. And all this really does not change. Your eye for typography, your sense of good design, your your uh, and then like translation to commercial use. All this really does not go away. Um, because I do realize that uh, looking at some of the artworks of and the portfolios of my peers right back then right over the years uh, they have definitely matured mm-hmm. a lot and gotten a lot better. Uh, in terms of their taste, their design sense, it really does like improve a lot. I mean, like we set aside like the the drawings are, but definitely there's a lot of improvement because they spend so much time like refining it over and over again. Like, so um I think the 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 key point uh, to address this question is I I think I like what X said and that is to you know stop focusing on um whether on stop focusing on the medium and start focusing on whether or not the skill set is a uh, whether or not the skill set that you are building is a can it be can you adapt to whatever is changing because I think end of the day that is really like the the takeaway yeah. right that uh, you can have all these like uh, platforms right but if you don't have the skill set to capitalize on it, uh, then you can have the best platform in the world, but you don't know how to use it, then there's no point. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Right. So, I mean, not to say that N- yeah. NFTs so, are going to gone on or, or what. La. It's just that even NFTs alone, right, the usage, it will morph. It will not just be like, oh, art only. I mean, you know, it could be blockchain in general, there could be so much more utility to, utilities to it. La. Yeah, I completely agree. So, um, that's why I always, uh, that's why like, uh, people who 
the you know that's that's the whole thing right like perfectionist versus people who just execute like uh, i always kind in my my way of like doing business is that i don't really like to perfect i like to kind of just launch uh, as soon as i can then i basically just adapt to the market yeah. because i think in terms of like being very valuable to a market you need to learn how to be adaptable and you cannot attribute i mean you can attribute a certain amount of luck and success uh, to the platform that you're using but you cannot fully tell can you cannot fully use that as an excuse to not adapt because i think like uh, how instagram has changed their algorithms right from basically pictures i actually did realize uh, that a lot of the influencers are uh, who basically never pivot towards like a uh, reels right that their following count actually suffered significantly yeah, yeah. right like the full the, the the channel literally like just died it literally never grow then they always keep doing the same thing over and over over again and not pivoting like they eventually died so it really kind of show kind of tells you that you need to be very adaptable in like uh, not only in NFT la, but in whatever job that you're doing la, it's important that you make sure that you keep up to date la. so I think that we can go on to the next one uh, and that maybe I can uh, give this to Ryan um, Ryan can you give your input la? what do you think are some of the high demand skill sets right that uh, mid-life <laughs> crisis folks can learn to upskill mid-life crisis so that means you're in your 30s 40s I, I don't know. I think the definition has changed quite significantly. Uh, because if you're saying midlife is like 30s, means I'm in my midlife now. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I think the I mean, olden day definition of midlife is more in your 40s, uh, not 30s. 30s is still quite young, uh, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but okay, but let's let's put it let let's put, let's let's just define for the sake of uh, our general audience. Let's put midlife crisis as thirties. <laughs> okay. Uh, what are the some high demand skills that uh people learn to upskill? So thirties, right? I would imagine if you're in your thirties, you're not not to say old, and uh, you're kind of like in between young and old, and then this is kind of like the time where you still can pick up new skills but also the kind of time that you are transitioning into more managerial roles at work or like when you become, uh, or if like, let's say you're an entrepreneur, your business becomes a much more stable cash generating uh, kind of company. So um, depending on like, um, uh, if you say like high demand skills, right? Like uh, just from like a corporate point of view, because that's all, that's all I have. Right? But um, I would say like um, definitely programming is one thing. So even if you don't learn to actually do the programming, right? You kind of like like Aaron and that you learn the fundamentals of computer science and programming, and then that's how you understand what is the um, possibilities you can explore and what are the limits. Because like I I do come across people who who don't know programming and they ask me to do very um impossible things. Uh, let's say you know. There's like like limit of an API, uh, and then uh they say like why don't you exceed the limit? And I'm like, uh uh <laughs> I have no comeback <laughs> because that's impossible. <laughs> you know? So like uh I would say like if you are in uh that kind of age, right, and you are in more like uh because like it well into your thirties, you're probably in it for like a more managerial role maybe. Then I would say like you learn uh programming for the sake of understanding what's possible to implement and um what's not possible so for your projects right like let's say if it's a business project you know then or maybe you're trying to build a system for something then you know what kind of like uh languages are good uh then you can tell a team okay let's do this we'll use that and then um we'll hire people who can who can who can um fill certain roles so as a manager you know knowing how to um you don't you don't need to know programming, but knowing computer science and programming, just the fundamentals of it, right? It opens up um 
let's just say it will it will make you a better manager because you know exactly what to do. You because you don't need to do to to do the specifics like writing the program and everything. You can just you you will know who to hire and what kind of person to hire. So yeah, that that's kind of like um I was I would say it's high demand in in that sense. Uh, and of course, you know, selling and um managing uh business development kind of project management kind of skills are always in demand. How about you, Ek? Oh, okay. So, um, sorry about it. <laughs> um, I think, actually, I agree with what Ryan said mostly. Um, the, the This whole aspect about being able to market and then project management, this aspect, right, is very, um, it's very underrated, I would say. Because I, I, me personally, myself, I didn't realize how important it was until you have to do it. And then when, um, for, okay, for, for me, right, uh, there's, no other better person to do it than yourself because you know your product very well. And also, as a, I will say, like, oh, I'm a startup, I'm a new person, right? Who are you going to pay to do it? Who's going to do it for you? So you pop in. You just have to suck it up and do it yourself. I then learn along as you go. So I think uh, in terms of what is high demand skill, right, is being able to... Uh, being able to fuck it, being able to like, like speak for your product and then sell it in a way that it will be relevant to someone's life or bring value to their life. La. And these are traditional skills which I do feel that uh, does bypass um, technology. You know, skills that you need to learn how, the soft skills la, that I find that um, I do kind of feel that lacks with younger people and that is the skill set of learning how to work as a team you know i think that um learning how to network learning how to work in a team being a team player learning how to be a leader learning how to be a manager learning how to work with people i think that is something which is a skill set right that um and learning how to be a very good professional are skill sets which will never die uh, even if we go, even if we go fully online and fully remote, because end of the day, um, you know, there's only so much I feel that you can do by yourself. I think ultimately, if you want to grow into a person who can scale, uh, things and do business and do maybe like projects on a scale that is very big, uh, you need to learn how to work as a team with other people, right? So like a lot of these like high demand skills that. Uh, midlife crisis folks can have, right? I think that apart from learning technical skills, I think what is more important is that, uh, as what Ryan mentioned, if you step into a role of like managerial, right, that you learn how to focus your effort on, on learning how to work with people. Yeah, because I do realize that that is a very huge missing, like, uh, huge missing, like, indicator for people, I find, uh, who are stuck in their midlife careers. Uh, because if you were to look at their track record right is that usually uh, when you look at their resume right they tend to be very poor team players that, that's my experience uh. they tend they tend to not be able to work very well with other people that's why they're stuck because generally people who are very good team players are uh, generally they, they rise up to become managers and uh, be more of a leadership role and being a leader right does not equal does not mean that you look out for yourself being a leader and being a manager of people means that your success uh, is dependent on other people so your job is to make sure that other people uh, that follow you, they are successful. Um, you know that. Then there are many ways for you to learn this. Like you can pick up books. Uh, where learn about how what uh, being a leader is like. And of course, like volunteer for things where people, no one else wants to volunteer to do things. Uh, do things lah. So that's how you you know learn as you go lah. It's not easy. Uh, it's a ten year overnight success. Uh, but once you learn it right, then it becomes a lot easier. 
So uh, the next question, uh, which I think I can take, is uh, should I get a part-time MBA done as I finish my degree? I would have five years of experience by then. Um, I think I can answer this because um, I do have people who take MBAs and also personally, um, I am considering one, but uh, personally, I decided not to. So here's why. Um, MBA, right, is a thing, right? People do, right, if they want to network effectively. So where the, the way where you get back your money on MBA is not through the educational path, but it's through the networks that you make through this MBA program, right? So when you choose an MBA, right, it really does not mean anything uh, to an employer, whether or not you have an MBA, because end of the day, the employers, right, their, their main goal when they hire people, right, is how can I get the person that I need for the job at a cost that is reasonable to my organization, right? They will not care about your MBA, right? That's they basically what is very important. Uh, if you reach a level of MBA, generally you're in your 30s. Very rarely you're in your 20s because if you're in your 20s and you take an MBA, it just kind of tells me that um, you are you are too free. It, it kind of tells me that you got too, you're too free and your career is not like uh, you're not you're not like focusing much in your career because usually in your twenties, uh, if you are very much career driven, uh, you're too busy to get an MBA. That's my experience, lah. Then um, then usually people take their MBAs in their thirties, right? Because they've already reached a level of success in their own careers. So people who I know that take MBAs are generally people who are already directors in MNCs. So at the age, uh, young early thirties, uh, they're already directors in MBAs. They're already already drawing like twenty thirty thousand every month, uh, US dollar, right? Then they go and take MBA so that they can network. So that when they go to this like MBA, whether or not is it uh, SMU, NUS, wherever it is, right? They go and meet people in uh and and across the industry, right? And then from there, they're able to network effectively and then build their network. Then from there, after they finish their MBA, then usually they might actually consider to jump ship maybe from uh, this MNC to MNC and then they grow their careers from there. So the very good thing about the MBAs is that you generally meet very successful people in their own right who has that level of success in either their career and has that ability financially uh, to take a break from their work for one or two years uh, to go and study further, right? Because um, it's okay to invest in that if you have very good networking skill. But if you don't, if, if, like let's let's say uh, my, my, my take is right, um, instead of using the MBA, right, to basically give you the reason uh, that you should be earning five digit, right? Um, let's say 10, 15K a month. Uh, I think it will be a lot more effective, right? If you focus on your career and using your career itself, uh, uh, basically just launching yourself uh, to earning at least like five to six figures, at least five figures a month, right? That is a much better way to basically get your return on time versus pursuing an MBA. Because the MBA, the time cost is very expensive. And personally, I don't think that... Mm, People in their 20s are who get a lot of money out of an MBA compared to a person who has already succeeded in his own professional career in their 30s. Yeah, so that's that's my take. That's why I decided not to take an MBA because I realized that the return on time and money uh, com- uh, these days uh, is not as good as last time. Last time, it makes sense because you don't have a lot of social media. So it's just a pre-filtered list um, where they basically just filter, make sure that you know your career is good, you're earning good enough money, then they'll let you in. Uh. But right now, I find that... Um, I'm I'm finding out increasingly that over the years, uh, you don't really need an MBA to network effectively. La. You're able to easily like network with people online. You're easily if you just need to know one or two people inside the community, uh, then actually it's quite easy for you yeah, to make friends. But I think if you want to yeah. like do well <laughs> okay. If you want to do well in the NFT realm, then definitely like MBA is not part of it. La. You just need to join a community and I kaiju. Haha. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I still right. like I do. Like, like, 
Yeah, in fact, and in fact, uh, actually, I, I realized that if you come with an MBA, right, then I don't think that's a positive insight. Um, the new workplace because then it kind of tells the person that um you're too free. <laughs> I mean, I, I, okay lah, traditional MNC, okay lah. I guess they value the MBA lah. But I think in terms of like, if you it depend, it's very sector dependent, right? Because if you belong into the crypto. And um, let's say like tech sector, right? I don't think they value MBAs a lot. In fact, if you have it, right, I kind of feel like it's more of a like, oh, so you got nothing better to do with your time. Uh, yeah, actually, I have the same sentiment also. When I mean, if I see someone like go have an MBA, then I'll be like, eh, so what did he do? <laughs> or like, yeah. And I know that. Yeah, it's, it's more of a yeah, negative I think thing, also generally right? crypto and NFTs, they, are, they all run like startups. So it's really the, you have to have this keen sense of like, I want to do it, I want to get it done. I need to think about how better I can do it. Kind of mentality more than certifications like, in, in tech sector, in, yeah, in, in crypto NFTs. I mean, MBA can be good if you're in business development, but then, um, or, or like marketing for business strategy kind of like line of work. Lah. But like for more technical um, focus skills where the, the, the skill counts, lah. like let's say, um, um, you know, marketing, like art, engineering, tech, um, even like uh, say doctor, right? You need to know your trade more than you can sell stuff so or or manage people so um you know it really depends on which line of work you are in yeah i think it's very sector dependent um my experience is um i think that 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 time frame right and that era right when you have an mba it becomes very like uh wow you know that that wow is no longer relevant anymore it it is a very old era type of like certification i feel like I think end of the day today in this time, right? Let's say if you are inside, let's say you talk about uh, let I talk about two common jobs. Uh, let's say you're inside uh sales, right? I think it is a lot more impressive, right? If you come to me uh without an MBA and tell me that your AUM, your assets under management is more than fifty mil, it is a lot more impressive if you come to me like that uh, versus you tell me you have an MBA and your un- and your assets under management is less than one mil because. The, the the first one speaks a lot more than your second one because I don't need a person with an MBA. I need a person who can bring money to me. That's a lot more impressive, right? Because that tells me about a person's capability a far more than MBA, right? So I give you a second one, all right? I don't need... If let's say I'm going to hire a programmer, right? I don't need a programmer with MBA. I need a programmer with a kick-ass GitHub portfolio, right? Because if you have an MBA, but then you have not executed in terms of a GitHub, then to me, you have just wasted your money. <laughs> wasted my time. I will just pass you by. I don't care. <laughs> right? So I think end of the day, right? Uh, whatever field that you're in, right? I would say only get it if it aids you. Uh, but I think end of the day, what's more important is to focus on your own portfolio. I think the portfolio is more important. Like your reputation in the industry, your portfolio in the industry, you know, um, you know, uh, like even, like you also have to understand, uh, even like, um, even like all these very successful entrepreneurs, uh, they don't really like put a lot of emphasis into certifications. It's important in certain sectors, uh, but I would say like as you start to age, right, certification becomes less and less relevant. And what's becoming more relevant is your portfolio and your, your, your what do you call it? Uh, your portfolio and your uh, reputation in the industry. Especially if your industry is a very small one, then your in then your reputation is going to be quite well known now. So I think you need to be very careful about that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So okay, let's go on to the next one. Um. Okay, I guess this one, Ryan, you can answer. <laughs> and oh, actually, 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 I also want to hear like, 
um, maybe I also want to hear from Egg, right? Um, okay, what is Ethereum, and uh, is that any different from crypto? So, uh, I could I could give a long answer and a short answer, but uh, in light of time, I'll just say I'll give you a short one. So, um, Ethereum, in my mind, right, is kind of like a blockchain, which is programmable. So you imagine Bitcoin, but it's programmable. So it opens up a lot of like different opportunities um aside from being a store of value so like let's say uh nfts and all that it's all running ethereum you are uh, the stable coins also running on the ethereum network you know you you're able to mint like um things like smart contracts and all that and uh the programming language behind ethereum is solidity which is something that i'm working on as well so how is that different from from other crypto so like there's a lot of types of different crypto out there but uh what you need to know is that like ethereum is programmable so uh and it's also like um the the consensus mechanism is also different so it's like proof of stake instead of like what bitcoin has which is proof of work um, um but yeah, that's kind of like the short answer. I hope that. I think suffices. also interestingly, like Ethereum is like what they call layer one, right? And then you can build things on it. Yeah, so smart yes. contracts you can add on to it. They can be different other developments or all that. So, uh, yeah. And then like 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 let's say you have like Polygon, which is like layer mm-hmm. two, right? So. It also depends on like which layer you're talking about. So there's a lot, a lot of way to like quantify uh, or like um, categorize uh, different cryptos. But yeah, in short, that's kind of like the, the gist of it. Um, the way I would like to explain Ethereum is very simple. Um, it's just an alternative payment network uh, for people who don't want to use just Bitcoin, right? Because like uh, the question is why Ethereum instead of Bitcoin? Very simple, uh, because as what Ryan has mentioned and what uh, Ig has demonstrated very well with her with her project is that it's a lot easier to build on applications on Ethereum compared to Bitcoin, right? Because it's very difficult for a person to build uh, applications on top of Bitcoin because it is a completed project, right? Bitcoin has already been completed since launch, whereas Ethereum is a never-ending uh evolving um blockchain uh, because every single you know uh, every single year there's always like upgrades there's forks you know um that i mean ethereum is not without its flaws uh, there's definitely flaws if you could dive deep into deep enough into it but i think like if you want to learn more me and ryan has done like a episode on crypto um or i think it's episode three right where basically our main thesis of ethereum is very simple it's the app store of crypto simple yes. as that is is I think that's the easiest way you can put it. It's like you know you just imagine the Apple Store, App Store, but then uh basically the the one that runs the App Store is Ethereum, because if you see a lot of these like projects right, not just NFT projects are, but a lot of these DeFi projects, a lot of them run on Ethereum layer because the Ethereum layer is a lot more, it's a lot easier to build on applications on top of Ethereum compared to Bitcoin uh, because because of the 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 the, the way that it is designed uh. and in fact it's actually uh to add on to the testament of how uh how fast ethereum is right is that i give you an example during the ftx um craze uh, um if i had not swapped my bitcoin into ethereum and withdraw i would not have <laughs> i would not have uh been able to exit so i mean that kind of tells you and proves to you in terms of the testament towards the liquidity in terms of ethereum um and that is ethereum is far more liquid than bitcoin should like the ceiling the should shit hits the the the, the fan uh, right because um i think that by itself not to say that bitcoin is not liquid is liquid provided that the exchange yeah. has it 
Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's liquid provided the exchange has it. And sometimes, uh, it, and that experience taught me sometimes the exchange don't have it is because they cannot speculate on that. Because there's no uh, there's no application that you can build on top of Bitcoin. That's why they no choice. They convert everything to Ethereum because everything is built there, right? So they have liquidity over there. Yeah. So that kind of that kind of tells me that like in terms of liquidity, uh, Ethereum at least is uh, better than Bitcoin. Uh, but I think there's like pros and cons to it. Uh, okay. So um, I think I'll just go on to the last question for the day and we'll wrap it up. And that is. Uh, uh, only two words. Uh, I don't know if this is a pro, but uh, when when are we expected to moon again from the shitstorm? <laughs> oh. If I had a crystal ball, I could tell you, uh, but sadly, you I buy the crystal ball, <laughs> then I tell you when moon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, um, yeah, this is all. Uh, I think just to be clear, this is all speculation. Not gonna put a time frame, but then uh, I would say I would spend the. I, I wouldn't spend the whole next year, 2023, dreaming about it or so. Like what Elon Musk said, it's going yeah. to be a long winter. What do you guys think? I don't have an answer to this question, but um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, in terms, of, in terms of NFT, I think like a lot of projects are taking a backseat. Actually, actually, right now, right, like two or three projects that I'm whitelisted into, they say like, oh, we're going to hold off Mint. We're going to postpone the date. And when these things happen, you just like, huh? You know, you know, confidence like shattered, that kind of thing. Hey, why the project? Is it going to rock? Like, why, why they change their mind and all that? So I think when Moon for NFTs are going to be, it's still going to be a long winter, definitely. Because recently all this chain of events, right? Like Luna sparked off uh, AC, and after that, now there's the FTX and all that, right? It's going to be, uh, why you call that? Like, it's going to be a, a, a whole domino effect, la. like the song, it keep ringing in my head these days, like ring around rose, you forgot for rose, isn't it? Like, they all fall down. <laughs> so it's just going to, you know, uh, capitulate into something else. So we don't know. And because NFTs, like, they are not um, layer one. Yeah. So it will get affected. La. And if not, it will get affected even worse. Uh, very bleak, huh? So no moon for now. <laughs> My take is that, <clears throat> My take is that I'm always forever mooning, la, so I don't really care. <laughs> because I never ever allow the situation to determine my outcome, ever. Like, um, I, I started work right out of uh, 2010, two years after the Lehman Brothers crash. Then this is not my first, like, uh, uh, rodeo in terms of recession, uh, right? So it's not like it's the first time that I'm looking at a 70-80% drawdown. You know, uh, every single time when this type of thing happens, it's actually the best time to buy, but everybody all humpty, you know? Yeah. Um, and my take is that if you are dependent on the thing to moan to determine your success, then I think maybe um, you are in the wrong spot and in the wrong position. Because I think um, in terms of like mooning and all this like wealth, wealth like growth, uh, this should not be the primary purpose um, when you are doing, when you are living your life. It is a nice bonus. Um, but fundamentally, I think uh, as most individuals, uh, your main source of um, safety should come from your day job and your income or your business, right? That should always be priority number one. Um, you need to have a very strong plan to make money, right? Then after you have your plan, first plan done, then once you have very good financial habits right then plan two is how do you best grow your money over a prolonged period so usually certain things like this are when there's like drawdown all this actually it's actually a yeah. very good time to buy i mean you look at one buffett la, he just purchased a shit ton of temi uh taiwan semiconducting uh tsmc he bought a shit ton of it i think just announced it like last week only five so billion I mean, I think. yeah it's a huge position uh, he basically sold off his chinese uh, electric car company and then he basically just used it to buy the TSMC when nobody wants to buy it 
right yeah. when the chip, right when basically Nvidia crashed more than fifty percent. So I think end of the day, right? I think most people are always forever on a process of mourning, lah. It's just that during the entire process of mourning, right? There'll be times where basically there'll be huge drawdowns. So the question is. Are you going to let the drawdown determine uh, whether or not you are successful at this point of time? Or are you going to see it as an opportunity and start to take advantage of it? Because there's two ways to do it, right? So for me, is that I definitely want to take advantage of it because now that this thing, this shit has hit the fan, right? I'm looking at this as an opportunity for me to basically build because things are cheaper, talent is cheaper. And then uh, there's a lot of problems that people are going to face for me to see it as an opportunity. La. So um, I don't necessarily, like, I mean, mourning is nice, right? Uh, n- n- like it's nice to see your wealth go up lah, but I have never ever like used that as a reason as to why I should like stop working. I think end of the day, <laughs> uh I I think I think for people who have been very actively working and people who are doers, right? I think if you try and retire, I think I give you like one mana. I think most of you will give up. Because um if you have never tried it, right? I think you just need to spend like one month trying to retire. I think you guys will go crazy lah. Uh, you cannot sit if you're the type of person now uh, who cannot sit still and do nothing on right. I think you will go crazy. Like um, it's not a very fun way to live life. Right? Eventually, you need to find something to do to basically like keep you <laughs> keep you in motion. Now, uh. if not, then I think life is going to be very boring. So um, obviously, I cannot ans- answer when moon. Um, because I think all of us has given us, uh, and I think this podcast should actually kind of tell you and kind of frame it in such a way where I think it should give you kind of co- enough confidence uh, that the people who are left in this space tend to be people who are not here because they are here to make a quick buck. They are here because they want to build a alternate structure inside this space that is uh, different from whatever that we have now. And uh, if you have actually been here long enough, you'll start to realize that the power of um, cryptocurrency is that it is an alternate system. It's just that, you know, in the beginning of the system, there's going to be a lot of rug pulls because even the traditional system in Lehman Brothers, they also rug pull. And if you actually go and take a look at FTX and Lehman Brothers, uh, both of them are actually very similar in terms of timeline, right? So it's actually, and I can guarantee you, okay, next time we moon, there's also going to be a spectacular crash. Because a lot of people always say it's never going to crash. I can tell it's going to happen now. Because uh, human nature, since the tulip bubble craze, uh, we have not changed. Lah. You know, 500 years ago, there was a tulip bubble craze. Now there's an NFT craze. The next one, I also don't know what type of craze that is. There's going to be a craze. There's going to be a, a bust. And people are also going to lose their pants. Even though like, people have been warning everyone. Because no, no one ever wants to believe that the craze is over. So I think stop focusing on what whether or not it's going to moon because you cannot control it if it happens good but at least be prepared uh, start focusing on yourself things that you can control and then look at it as an opportunity lah. then i think if you focus on that i think the next you know two three five years you should do a lot better than now yeah actually talking about accumulating right because right now of all the closure of i mean after ftx and then slowly one by one like uh some crypto exchanges are starting to hold withdrawals as well. Uh, so so I think for us in my chat group, right, they're just asking like, hey, then how do I on-ramp? Uh, how, how do I buy and all that? So I think that um, I'm not, not too concerned about it right now unless you really need to buy right now for whatever reason. But I, I feel that in the bear market, right, like people will come in to build better products and better better ways to onboard on RAM with maybe you know, maybe with regulation, I don't know. But yeah, lo, so this it is why it is like when moon is not for us to say, we just need to focus on ourselves, like what uh Aaron has said, and keep doing what we want to do, get to where we want to be. Yeah, I think you brought up a really good point as well. It's like like you say, like uh now we are in a bear market and uh some people would feel like 
they need to kind of like rush in and buy mm-hmm. the dip, right? I would say like don't 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 rush in. Uh, you know, pace yourself. Uh, have a plan to 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 kind of like uh to to kind of like dollar cost average because you never know it might dip more, and if it goes up, you know, you still don't lose anything. So um you know, pace yourself, and then a uh, recession is coming. So it's more important you ensure yourself uh that you know you have sufficient cash flow to actually live a life first. So like focus on the fundamentals, like what I would say, focus on the, focus on yourself, you know, um, ensure that you have uh enough cash to go through certain, um, events in your life, and then only, you know, with the remainder money, um, you can think about uh dollar cost averaging. So don't 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 just rush into it without thinking. But if you have a stack of cash that's meant for this, uh, you know, go ahead, uh, knock yourself out. Essentially, don't become like. Do you want to own 500 properties with no money down? That type of mentality. Oh. <laughs> you know, just don't go towards that. <laughs> that mentality. I think uh, basically this entire podcast is basically just telling people there's no such thing as a free lunch. Yeah. All right. There's, there's really no such thing as a free lunch. Like, um, the, the as, as I hope the past three years has kind of humbled people at least. If, if touch wood, you know, if let's say lose money, at least kind of humble people to realize that, um, you know, they can take away a lot of things, but the what they cannot take away is your ability to make things happen, no matter the circumstance. Because in every single situation, whether or not is it bear market, whether or not is it bull market, there's always someone out there who has found a way to capitalize on it. So, um, you know, so be adaptable, la, I would say. So I think that's hopefully like the whole wrap of this podcast. La. Like we just want to like put this out there before the year ends because I think um everyone is feeling that there's going to be a recession that's going to come next year, right? Um, I'm optimistic that the recession is going to be a short one. Uh, but of course, uh, short-term pessimistic, but long-term, I'm always an optimist. So I'm not too concerned about that because if you are a person who's very adaptable, then I think it's going to be fine, right? So... Um, before we end off, is there anything that you guys would like to sign off with? Uh, maybe, Ek, would you like to go first? Oh, okay. So I think, I think like, as I shared in one of my talks earlier, always a few things that, I, that stuck by me. And one, one of them that I always remember is um, trends or fate. So you just need to double down on your convictions. So this, is, this is one thing that I feel, I feel is very true no matter what industry you're in. There's going to be a lot of trends like, oh, NFT can NFT in a, like this kind of genres or NFT this kind of like project roadmap it could be a trend, but at the end of the day, people want to know whether you're genuine or not. People want to know whether your product will add value to it, lah. So it's it's also when you double down your convictions, it's like it's it um it, it's like you believe so strongly in it, right? It's also uh you can't afford to let it fail. You find all means and ways to make it work for you, lah. And yeah, so this is how I've always operated. So yeah, that's what I've got to see. <laughs> Love that. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I think um with all this um crypto craze going on, right? And um and like upscaling in general, so like building a community and everything. The most important thing I feel is like honesty. So like, you know, you want to kind of like make sure facts are fact checked as a as a person who's kind of like doing uh financial um you know uh community building communities on instagram and everything like the the best thing to be is kind of like honest you know and um also like as investors you need to be critically honest with yourself as um a person trying to upskill you need to be critically you need to be honest with yourself and know what's right and what's 
not right to do. So yeah, you know, and um, thank you so much, Egg, for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I enjoyed it very, very much too. Even even though it was very long, it was very fruitful. Yeah, I hope that our our viewers will be able to listeners. I mean, will be able to find some value out of this, lah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we definitely enjoyed it. Uh, having this very long conversation. <laughs> I think this is so far the longest oh, we've ever done. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think this is really the longest podcast we've ever filmed. Like, like coming close to how many hours with it? Yeah? Uh, so close to wow. three, hours, three hours plus a day. Yeah, three hours. My, it's, it's, this is really the longest podcast and this is actually the last episode. Yay, Merry Christmas! <laughs> Yay! Yeah, yeah. So you you are actually the last guest of our this season. So actually after this we're gonna take like uh I, I don't know whether we're gonna take a break, but we'll see how. Uh but definitely thanks so much for coming on. Really enjoyed uh having a conversation with you on crypto. Uh and, thank and you. Yeah, we'll all take a break yeah. to go to Malaysia to find one. Yay. Uh, uh, Ryan, we must, we must go and look for the mythical creature. <laughs> okay, I, Ryan, we'll let you sign off. Yep. Um uh, do you have any last words, Sarah? Um I think you guys spoke very well. Uh. Um, I think end of the day, uh, I can say, like, I guess my ending is like, to, uh, uh, for this is the last episode for this season. I would like to thank all listeners who have supported us so much uh, over the last like uh, one year. I think when we started this podcast, me and Ryan have like super low expectations. <laughs> but I think uh, time and time again, our listeners has proved us that, that somehow there is a market audience for this. Uh. So I think we, both of us are very thankful to have uh, to be given the opportunity to take uh, time every month right, to speak to our listeners, to address topics that we really love addressing. And we hope that the season two will be something that uh, all of us can look forward to. Uh, definitely, we also like to thank a lot of our guests who have uh, give, given us tremendous insight to various topics. Lah. Some of the shout-outs would be Azan and Sure. Some of the shout-outs would be, of course, UA and of course, um, Steph and of course, uh, the, the Ring to Dollar podcast. Yep. Yeah, Ring to Dollar podcast. So definitely, a lot of this like uh, guests have add a lot of value to our podcast and we owe them a lot of things of course uh, the listeners as well we definitely thank your commitment to being up to date even though sometimes the podcast can be three four hours long <laughs> i think that's quite ridiculously long but uh surprisingly the statistics does show that a lot of you actually listen for the entire period so um thank you for that yeah we really appreciate it thanks and of course, uh, check out check out uh before we end, uh, make sure you check out uh egg in uh, the hidden walls on our Instagram. Uh, Ryan is on food and stones on Instagram. I am Aaron. Uh, Aaron goes global on Instagram as well. So all of us are all in. Uh, you can check out the Instagram links and all the social links inside the podcast details now. All right. So thank you, and we'll see you in the next not Yay. episode. Bye bye. Yeah.